Okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hades. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, this is a really good school. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says on the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Liam. And Liam, it's week two back in the home studio, the uh, studio of awesomeness. awesomeness. Yes. And it's good to be back as as uh, Noel Gallagher ripped off. Hello, hello. Yes, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Yes. And so we are gathered here today to talk about the 1995 classic Clueless. Oh, great film. Do you know that Clueless came out the day we were recording this 25 years ago exactly today? Wow, that's brilliant. That is kind of cool. That is so, so cool. Uh, I think I've seen a few posts of people sort of reflecting back on Clueless. And before we start, I want to reflect back on how things have gone for us the last couple of weeks, if that's all right. Yeah, do it. Because yeah. it's been brilliant again. So, Liam, do you know what episode we're looking at today? I'm going to say 20. It is episode 20. Come on. There we go. He can be taught, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Episode 20. So if this is your first time joining us or our 20th time joining us, uh, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, And a couple of shout outs, specific thank yous to some people. Uh, Dwayne Smith, who continues to uh, engage with the podcast wherever it may be, and actually um, has... Some more notes to ju- I think to share as we go along. And at this point, I think it's good if we have our perma guests introduce themselves. Why don't we go ahead with that? Hello, I'm Ellie, and I'm Georgia. And Georgia, this is your last uh, podcast with us for the summer because we are suspending you for conduct not be fit. No, because uh, you're doing your very cool summer job, aren't you? I am. Yes, it's my last one. So. Um, yeah, so but I think it's a good one to go away on, if if I may yep. be so bold. I've been suspended on both podcasts for letting Ethan choose a bad film on the other podcast. That would be uh, Talking the Mickey, which we, yeah. I yeah. think last week we got about seven mentions for Talking the Mickey into, <laughs> or, <laughs> organically into the conversation. It'd be interesting to see if a revenge, a revenge slasher type film, if that has more natural like ways to segue to a Disney podcast <laughs> than this, that'll be an interesting sort of uh, thing to look at. Um, so, as well as Dwayne Swift, we have um, Lestat, Lee Lestat. Yeah, very good friend of mine. Said he was listening to The Crow this morning, so uh, oh, cool. ho- hopefully he lets us know how, 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 we, f- how we found that. Yeah, he, he often um, talks to me about it. Does and, he? Uh, yeah, quite in depth, so yeah. we should have him on here one day. I'd be w- well up for that, yeah. well up for that. And uh, while we're doing good personal friend, Anthony. 
friend of the podcast, <laughs> was was talking about it at great length last time I saw him. So it's, it's nice that if you know us, hey, it's brilliant that you're listening to us. But even Absolutely. more impressive, I think, is people who don't know us and go ahead and give us a listen. Yeah, and that's great. And like, like Dwayne. Like Dwayne. Or like people from Belgium and Saudi Arabia. Belgium and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, which the podcast great. is like, it's, it's currently the number two podcast, film review podcast in Saudi Arabia. Amazing. And a week ago, Amazing. a week ago, we were the number two film review podcast in Belgium, and it's actually stuck around for like we're still like top forty in Belgium. Like, so if you're from Belgium and Saudi Arabia, uh, God you bless much. you for listening to the podcast. Yeah, Why not yeah. give us a shout on one of the socials? How can they get a hold of us on those socials, Georgia? Cue me. Um, that's at Best Film Ever Pod, I believe. Yes. On Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. That, that would be on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook. And Facebook. Is it pod or is it podcast on Facebook? I believe everything is best film ever pod, I believe. Okay, I cool. So. Well, there we go. Everything is best film ever pod. I set that I, all up, so I think, I, I think it's all the same. I've gotten the mostly, the talking the Mickey ones changed, so I assume these ones do, but apparently not. So no, easy, this easy. one's all the same. So, um, and then a couple other shots. Just uh, Chuck goes to the movies, a nice little film review podcast who's been showing us some love, and we just want to say, you do a good job too, Chuck. Keep it going. Well yeah. done to you. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Clueless, uh, what do you know about Clueless, Liam? Um, not that much, really. That so you're clueless about Clueless. I'm very clueless, yeah. <laughs> it launched the career of uh, Lisa Silverstone. Yes, it did. Uh, you, could, you could argue it wasn't a very long career. No. No, no, no. no. Um, the first time I saw her was in an Aerosmith video. Yes, that's where, that, that was where she got her start, was, was yeah. with Aerosmith music videos. Yeah, it was great. Loved her in them. Then Which, in... Liv, Liv Tyler also, Aerosmith oh, no. music videos. <laughs> Just a weird thing. I think she was in Crying and Crazy. I didn't see that, but I saw her in that horrible Batman film. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Batman and Robin. Oh, which, Batman film was horrible. Yeah, well, this one was especially horrible. <laughs> and it was Batman and Robin, Batman which Robin. ironically is not the first film to feature Robin. No. Robin first shows up in Batman Forever. Oh, yes. And then there's a sequel to that, Batman and Robin. Yeah. Thankfully, they didn't call that one Batman Forever because it was the last one for like 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, but Amy Heckerling is the director of this, uh, Fast Times at Richmond High, Amy Heckerling. Which I haven't seen, but I do know of her. I haven't seen that either, but it is like notorious in pop culture. I found out the other day that even though I haven't seen the film, um, the school they use in Greece is the same school they use in Fast Mount at uh, Richmond High. Really? Fast Times at Richmond High. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, apparently so. Um, and so just a little bit of a warm up before, um, she was called, Amy Heckerling, to 20th Century Fox, and they wanted her to come in and have a meeting, and they pitched to her, we want you to do something with, 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 with teenagers. And uh, she went, all right, yeah. And she had an idea, and they wanted to do about the, said, we want you to do about the in crowd. And she went, well, I don't really like, in, I kind of do outsider kind of things. And she said, can I make fun of the in crowd? And they went, yeah, well, how would it be about the in crowd? It's all, it's all we, we really care about. And so she did something, but she, was, she thought she was working on a TV pilot, not on a, a film. And she came back with what she had, and it was called No Worries. And a second draft was called I Was a Teenage Teenager. <laughs> Both of which I think we can say much worse titles than yeah, Clueless. Uh, and um, they passed. And she's showing her agent. Her agent said, this isn't really a TV show. This is more of a, a film, a feature, as they would say in the biz. But it did lately become a Afterwards, it became a TV program. Ironically, they would later use this as the yeah. intellectual property and, and launch a TV that show the off of that. Yeah. Never see it, but... No. Actually, most of, us, most of the same cast actually show up in both. They, yes, they yeah. do. Just yeah. Paul Rudd and Alicia Silverstone don't, but no. pretty much everybody else does show up in the, in the television series. Yeah. 
And um, then kind of when reading it back over, um, Amy Heckerling realized that she's kind of just ripped off the Jane Austen novel, Emma. And when she gave it a closer look, she went, actually, if I just tweak this and tweak this and do this, it's actually very much kind of what I've got going on. But she really wanted to write a couple things she wanted. She wanted strong female protagonists and not just one, but a series of female protagonists. And if you look at this film, uh, as, as, as we will after the break, um, I think we're going to see there's going to be a lot of female protagonists in this film. Mm. And the boys are kind of going to be on, on, on the back step, which is nice because actually th- we should note this is our first female director. It's kind of weird that it took us 20 episodes to get yeah. to a female director. Now, I don't think necessarily that's an indictment on the podcast, I will no. say. I think it's an indictment on Hollywood. There's not many female directors out there. Though, there's not, there? especially if you're looking back to kind of a nostalgic era like we are yeah. for yeah, most of it. Yeah, I was just about to say that a lot of the films are older, so... Yeah, because we could we could tackle like modern day female directors. The problem is that many people listening aren't going to have seen those films yet just because, you know, uh, I think we've discovered that films from certain eras seem to get uh, attract more attention than than others. But But it's it's really interesting to see we've got a female director, at least in the 90s, doing something that is pretty well regarded. Yeah, it's nice to see people like herself and Catherine Bigelow paving the way for future female directors. I don't know if I've seen anything by Catherine Bigelow ever. What has she done? Yes, you have. Point Break. Oh, okay. Yes, I have seen something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Hurt Locker. I, see, I know of it. I've never seen that. Yeah, I've never seen it either. But, but I really like Point Break. Yeah, Point Break's brilliant. Point Break's great. It doesn't actually qualify. So no! We're going to have to wait for the anniversary or something. It's going to be a wild card. It's going to have to be. I love Point Break. I love break. Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just really quickly in closing... Um, so she submits the film treatment and 20th Century Fox, who passed on the TV show, say, yeah, we'll make that. But they make it in the deal. Basically, they're going to give the money, but then they're going to act as a middleman and try and sell it to other studios. Okay. It's what they call a turnaround in the biz. And so uh, there was a bidding war and Paramount wins the rights to Clueless. And Paramount's parent company also owned uh, Nickelodeon and MTV. So you can sort of see how yeah. you can market this effectively. Yeah. And this was, you guys wouldn't really be, have been around to fully see this. This was everywhere in the mid-90s. Yeah. I, I still remember the trailer like it was yesterday. And uh, it was shot over 40 days between American Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve. Wow. And uh, producers sat in on classes in Beverly Hills High School to get a feel for student culture, to understand their, their lingo, to understand their, their dynamics. And that's always hard. How do you write for teenagers when you're no longer a teenager yourself? No problem for John Hughes. No problem for John Hughes. And if you think of someone like Richard Linkletter, did you ever see um, Dazed and Confused? Yes, many, many years ago. That's brilliant, because it, but it was from the 70s. That's when yeah. he was a, a teenager. Yeah. Then he tries to write teenage dialogue like 20, 30 years later when he does Boyhood, and it is some of the worst writing for teenagers I've I have never ever. seen that. It's the, 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 I have to teach it. The dialogue is cringeworthy in the teenage scenes especially. Because oh, okay. he writes like an adult who's pretending he knows what you know yeah. a, a cool teenager would sound like today. It just sounds like when your parents try to be... Um, hip, probably my students are. Yeah, yeah, it's probably what, what you sound like, sir. When when, <laughs> when 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 you try and make relevant conversation with you know of the time, and I'm just like, yeah, probably. Um, couple of cameos we'll talk to when they get there, but really quickly. Um, very highly regarded. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. Peter Travers, who's the head critic for Rolling Stone, gave it four stars. You think about Rolling Stone's yeah. kind of place as that sort of American uh, gatekeeper of sort of like popular culture. Absolutely. So kind of what that meant. Uh, only a $13 million budget, and it came in with $56 million. That's not bad. That's pretty good. So I'm looking forward to revisiting 
Clueless. I really like. I remember really liking it. Same. Before you, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ellie, have you seen Clueless before? Yeah, absolutely. I've put it on DVD, so um, I've seen it a few Back times. Back when physical media was a thing. Yep, it's it's, it's actually a DVD from Woolworths as well. Wow, <laughs> Woolworths. So that's I mean that 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 place has been out of business because they used to have Woolworths while, in the states yeah. as well. We, I don't know if we ever had it in the states, doesn't it? Do we have some in Canada? I'm not sure if we did. I don't know if it started. I'm pretty sure. When it did, did it? When when does Woolworths hit over here? Not till the. Late 70s. Oh, really? Okay, because it was around, because in the civil rights movement, the lunch counters at Woolworths were a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, so it must have been before that. But I don't think there's Woolworths in either country anymore. No. No. Sad fact, they lasted 99 years. Oh, just shy of just shy years. of a century. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But yeah, I remember it's Woolworths DVD because it's got like a white border to it with Woolworths written. Wait, was there like logo. was there like special like box art for it? No, no, it was it was like it's the like normal. It's the normal DVD cover, but yeah. like shrunk down on like a white. Yeah, so they made like special so like really... special cover art in the sense they oh, sort no, of no, like, no, it's really it's not the special. Same for, like if you did Greece Apocalypse, yeah, now, it's all the same. It's so like it was like a, the little... like a budgety. Okay. Version. It looks proper naff. It looks, yeah. yeah, you're like, I want, I want the like real a white one. space with yeah. the Woolworths See, logo. we used to have that back in Canada when you joined Columbia House. Do you have Columbia House here? No. Because uh, you'd flip over the CD and you'd see distributed by Columbia House. You'd go, ah, buying a Columbia yeah. House used record, aren't I? I want, I want the proper one. <laughs> but it was that idea of like, this is just naff. Yeah. This is, I want, I want the real version. Georgia, have you seen Clueless before? I have not. No. Okay. Um, oh. It's not anything I've ever watched before, although. I do remember once babysitting one of my cousins and she wanted to watch it, but that was just purely based on the like artwork mm-hmm. that comes up <laughs> when you click on Netflix. Um, I think it was just like on one of the like, recommended things. And I think we got about 10 minutes into it and she just wasn't paying attention and wanted to go and do something else. Um, so it's so not quite I- hitting like the, what, the four-year-old market here? <laughs> no, she would have been eight, nine, ten, I think. Eight, nine, ten? Yeah, okay. A little bit early. So a little bit, probably yeah. could have paid attention if you'd got a bit further into it. Um, but no, just so I'd seen like the first 10 minutes, but that was it. Okay. Well, uh, were you aware of Clueless before that, though? Kind of as you, you know, does it have an impression? Do you hear Clueless and go, yeah, I'm familiar with it? No, really? That's interesting to me. Yeah, me. Because like the Breakfast Club, you, you'd heard of before, I'm assuming, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and like Ferris Bueller, you've heard of that before? Yep. Okay. Not- yeah. <laughs> Not as much, but it's really interesting that, that that stuff that you have heard of and yet Clueless is kind of uh, forgotten, even though it's a newer film. We have, we have our own version of that kind of genre, though, like with Breakfast Club and that sort of thing. It's not really been redone, but our, my generation have the like really popular teen gets kind of beaten down film for our own generation. We have those anyway, so okay. I don't think. It just didn't pass through. So maybe it wasn't. And the numbers seem to suggest that actually Clueless was a much bigger deal um, from a cinema perspective in North America. And it didn't really do that well over here until it actually hit home media. Yeah. So there's something to that as well. All right. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead and we're going to give it a a quick watch from our perspective. So we'll be back in the blink of an eye for us. Maybe for you, it's more like the blink of an ear. (laughs) And uh, we will catch you on the flippity flop. So flippity flop, flippity flop. I flippity flopped the line, but we will, I'm going to leave it in. We will see leave you. In, so we will see you on the flippity flop. <laughs> and we are back, having just sat through. Sat through sounds like it was a punishment. <laughs> having just sat through as if. the as if <laughs> as the 1995 if. film Clueless, and I think the film's a Betty. I do. 
<laughs> Betty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we may have a game as we go along going real 90s slang or clueless 90s slang. Because yeah. there's some words, as we said, that there were um, genuine, or maybe it wasn't said, maybe we said it privately, but there's. Um, a series of words from this which are authentic 90s slang and there's other words that they tried to sort of create kind of like um, in Mean Girls where it's like stop trying to make fetch happen <laughs> well the benefit of making your own film is you can make these words happen and some of them did cross the vernacular into 90s slang after the fact Yeah, not many but some did I wish that fetch had happened <laughs> and back to 1995 <laughs> um, so clueless I, I think it held up Liam I think so yeah. I I thoroughly enjoyed that. So did I. Yeah. There's a lot uh, I forgot about it. There know? there was. I mean, there was more plot than I remembered. Yeah. So, um, so to start off, we have the Paramount logo, but just like with, I think it was The Crow, or maybe it was something else the week before, but we didn't start off with that Paramount sort of um, theme as we came oh, in. Yeah. It was right into this 90s uh, music, which was actually Kids in America. Great song. We're the kids in America. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a montage opening. And a montage is beneficial. Really, not that often, but in the situation, this film loved a montage. Mm. And the benefit of using a montage right off the hop was it taught us so much about Cher in about 15 seconds. Because outside of her going, my name is Cher, and I'm popular, and I'm rich, and I like to shop, and I'm vain, and I'm this. Well, the montage allowed us to see all those things, yeah. but just through a sequence of camera shots. Because we were able to go, uh, she's coming out with her uh, shopping bags. Then she's laughing with her friends. Then she's driving her Jeep Wrangler. Then they're at some weird pool party where kids are jumping in. She goes, is this an Oxima ad or what? And I'm like, it kind of does look like one, actually. Yeah. Um, how? But on that note, how great was the soundtrack to this? The soundtrack was phenomenal. It's really weird because well, last week we were going, how great is the soundtrack? How <laughs> yeah. 90s is this soundtrack? And this was a very 90s soundtrack. But man, they got like uh, the budget was what, 13, 14 million, we said? Mm. Like how much of that went to song clearance? Yeah. So interesting. I also like their take on um, 80s songs as well. There was a few of them. Uh, what yeah. did we have? We had Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah. And then we had Kids some in America Kids in America was, was, an, was a 90s cover of an 80s song. Yeah. 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 So I guess you're going to get that pretty cheap. And so this is where Cher begins her voiceover. And this is a trope of teen films is we have our protagonist, whoever it might be, and they sort of walk us through the introduction to their their lives. And so uh, we see it in Mean Girls with, with Katie. We get her voiceover. In John Tucker Must Die, we get it from the lead character's perspective there. And here we get it with Cher. And generally, the way this worked, we talked a little bit last week about restricted viewpoints in that really we kind of held tight to Eric occasionally we'd go somewhere else, yeah. but we stuck close to Eric. I think in this film, we're pretty much entirely with Cher. Definitely. I don't remember too many times when, when we're not with Cher. If Cher's not in the room, then we're not in the room. There's only that little bit at the end with the, the argument between Josh and the but, other lawyer. But guy, even but she's, she's on the, she's, yeah, she's she's on the staircase, shot, so like we can assume that she's still part of that. So, I mean, yeah. this is a really restricted viewpoint. Mm. So as a result, the whole film is designed to get us to care about share that rhymes care about share there's also the bit where um ty meets travis ty meets travis in the cafeteria that's yeah. true so that's one bit we don't get but um i don't know how effective was that i i really quite found myself rooting for share yeah definitely yeah yeah yep. georgia yeah i didn't hate that that's the <laughs> that would be kind of along the way to caring yes i did not hate the lead <laughs> character 
So, um, and we have this montage opening, and then as, it, as the voiceover begins, we kind of get the start of Cher's day, and she's got to figure out what she's going. Cher has to figure out what she's going to wear. And so she has this, uh, like, old-school Apple computer with, like, this, like, this really weird graphic where, like, the computer made her, like, stand in her underwear so they could, like, put things on top of her. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that. I think that was way ahead of its time, to be fair. I don't think that had... What, had... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the computer graphics. Okay. <laughs> Just make that clear. Computer graphics. But you used to be able to get little kind of paper doll things that were in their underwear yeah. and then you got the paper clothes put It was very reminiscent of that, yeah. Yeah, it was just... Yeah. The little tabs. I, yeah. I guess the part that made it modern was the fact that it was her, I suppose. And it was, on the computer. It was just a bit yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, what I didn't get was that someone is fashion conscious and apparently skilled at it as um as Cher was um unable to determine when things didn't match and then needed the computer to tell her that the yellow plaid top matched the yellow plaid skirt. And it went match. And she went, Oh <laughs> yeah. yay <laughs> Even the untrained eye could see that. Yes, I think so. And then she goes downstairs and we meet Dad. And Dad's name is Mel, played by Dan Hedia. And there's no way Georgia knows. Ellie might not. You might. Did you recognize this guy from anywhere? I do recognize him, but I don't know where from. Did you ever see Cheers? Yes. He was Carlo Tortelli's deadbeat husband. Oh. He's the guy who was always getting remarried yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, it was, it was him. Wow. So he was not supposed, he was not the first choice. Okay. And there was someone who they really, really, really wanted. And it was two people. One they couldn't get because they couldn't afford him. And that was, uh, oh my word, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, I can understand. Grand Budapest Hotel, Harvey Keitel. The other one was Jerry Orbach. Who is? Jerry Orbach. Well, he played Detective Lenny Briscoe on, not NYPD Blue, on Law and Order. But you might know him better from one of his two main film roles. One of which saying, you know, you looked beautiful out there. Dad of uh, No One Puts Baby in a Corner from Dirty Dancing. He was the father. Or you might know him as Lumiere from the original animated Be Our Guest, Beauty and the Beast. I'd liked him. And the, he couldn't get off from um, Law and Order. So as a result, he, he eventually had to recast. And so they oh, went with one yeah. TV kind of icon of sorts to yeah. another on different ends of the spectrum as far as the characters they played. But yeah. yeah. And I, I really liked the relationship between Cher and her dad. Me too. Yeah. It's cute, yeah. I think her introductory line is something like, he makes $500 an hour to fight with people, but he gets to fight with me for free. Yeah, and also funny. being quite cutthroat in his job, yeah. he's not with her. He's not. I mean, he's no. gruff. He's gruff, but yeah. he's but he but he but he cares. Yeah, and she cares about him. And this is the whole thing of what Amy Heckerling wanted to do with Cher was they wanted her to be positive, overwhelmingly positive, and Cher is overwhelmingly yes. positive, very much so. <laughs> and trying to do good in many ways. Although Josh takes her to task, she's been doing. As I think I said later on in the film. She's been doing more good with her father for the, the entirety of the film than long before she's sort of spurned on by external forces to try and do so outside. Yeah. So, nice. Uh, this is where we get our first introduction to Josh is coming over tonight. And we get that Josh is, well, thanks to a voiceover, we find out that Josh is the stepkid from a previous marriage. Yeah. And he goes, you're not even married to Helen or whatever her name was anymore. Why did he come over? And he says, you divorce wives, you don't divorce children. And I was like... <sighs> This is a good man. Yes. Mel, Mel's a good guy, isn't he, Georgia? Mel's the Bob Geldof. From that 
that line, yeah. From that um, line? I think Mel's a good guy. He kind good of throughout guy. the film. He's just, he's just quite angry a lot of the time. I think... And dismissive he, of his daughter. Is, and then suddenly is quite nice at the end. To be fair, I think he is playing to what the audience knew him as. And because you don't know that, I think there's something to... Because in, in Cheers, he was very... Like, this is kind of his gimmick. This is how he plays okay. roles. So I think Amy Hackerley would have just gone with what sort of... People knew him people as. knew him as, but I hear you. Right, yeah, but yeah. I think you have this really positive, bubbly character in Cher, and so you juxtapose her yeah. against the almost mm-hmm. chronic he, jawing version of her father. And he's never really negative towards her. You know, if you notice, even with her marks that she gets, you know, yeah. he's very happy. Or or when he's like, no, we're going to have family dinner night. Yeah. And he actually kind of craves her attention. Yeah. Well, they say that he says they're going to have family dinner night, tells her not to go on a phone, and then his phone rings. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> so. and, and, and there is some humor in that. There is some humor in, in the fact that he is a hypocrite, and that's what gets her, her out. But I think deep down, I, I think he wants to have dinner with her. He's not, make, he's so, not yeah. making a call. He has to take a call. He's just a massive hypocrite the whole way yeah, through. Yes, but if we can kind of go, I mean, because he lives in Beverly Hills, and she's spoiled rotten and all this stuff. We're not saying he's necessarily a good father in every capacity. But I think the idea that it's a good relationship between them, yeah, yeah. especially in the absence of of of, his, of a, a mother, and he's not one of these guys who's going to be all, well, I'm going to be mom and dad and be really really soft. He's gone the other way and gone, well, I'm going to teach her how to be tough, and then I'm going to you know yeah. champion the skills of persuasion, for instance. And I think the way that he is really brusque with everyone and just kind of rude a lot of the time really highlights the difference when he does go to that sort of more sentimental spot. And, and it, it makes you appreciate him more. Yeah. And then we cut to Cher driving in her Jeep. And I love a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> How can you not? This is. It's such an ointy vehicle, though. Isn't it? Oh, but I tell you what, it is still the vehicle I want to have one day. Oh, I, know. Oh, I need to have a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> Please don't drive it like that, though. No, which is. This is a question I have about the voiceover because Cher hits something and then she goes, that thing came out of nowhere. So is the Station voice in her head. Is the voice in her head like present tense yeah. like is the story happening and she's narrating to us the entire time or is she looking back because at some points it was present tense yeah. and at some point it was past tense and this is the part where if i was marking a student's piece of writing i'd say pick one past or present <laughs> you don't get to bounce back and forth unless it's a flashback which this was I, I i just struggled with that i hear you but i didn't notice that oh watching the film it drove me even banana. being familiar with it <laughs> banana banana and then also uh, we've got Dion, and Dion is played by Stacy Dash. Now later on, they would do a TV series coming out of the show, and everybody except for Paul Rudd and Alicia Silverstone would remain. And Stacy Dash was a big part of that. So, um, what do we think about Stacy? She's good cannon fodder for for Cher. She's good for bouncing off of. Yeah, I really like her. I think she's just like, she's really sassy and she's really intelligent as well. And I I just really enjoy her character. Um, Georgia, you have any thoughts on, on is it State? No, Stacey. Dion. Yeah, I quite liked her. Um, I think I probably actually preferred her character to Shares, but yeah. So the interesting thing about Dion was Dion was like a one person barometer as to how people's social standing were. Yeah. So if Dion was backing you up, you were popular. And if Dion was so basically, she was there to kind of say some, you know, um, equal retort and just kind of show she can have some bants with with share, but then also kind of would fade into the background when the narrative needed her to. Yeah. So she was there to bounce things off of. 
And then we meet her boyfriend, Murray. <laughs> I love Murray uh, because I, you, you mentioned where he was from, Georgia. Did you recognize Murray? I did, but not massively so. Oh, really? You will in a minute when we say where he's from. Yeah. Liam, where was he from? Scrubs. I've not watched Scrubs. Have you not watched Scrubs? No. No. Oh, wow. I thought you had. No. Okay. So he's from Scrubs, and he is not, he's not aged. Not at all. Like, because he looks the same now as he was the last day of Scrubs. Yeah. It's amazing. Very amazing. He's Uh, not the only one in the cast. No, there's a lot of people who look pretty good, uh, who look similar uh, to where they were before. Paul Rudd doesn't age. Paul Rudd. That's who I was thinking of. Internet fact. I think he looks older now what he did then but it has been 25 years not by an awful lot lot. no no no. (laughs) he still looks very very similar and so um that's donald Faison who plays murray who was great and then we enter debate class and debate class was um a this was a part that was heavily 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 used in the trailer okay the speech about the hadians and it's important to mention the hadians because that is how alicia silverstone read it when she read the script. That's not something that she was told to do by Amy Heckerling. And Heckerling heard her say that and just didn't correct her and went, we need that for the film because it's perfect for the character. That's great. So that bit is that. And interesting story about Alicia Silverstone is Alicia Silverstone isn't that, uh, when she, she didn't have to audition, she was sought out by Amy Heckerling. And when she had a meeting with her, she had like a, a, a fountain drink of pop on. The, and rather than lift up the cup to her mouth and use the straw there, as she was talking, she would lower her head down to the straw <laughs> and sort of drink the drink that way. And it was that moment she went, there's something uniquely share about this girl. I do that. Everybody share. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, an interesting sort of uh, call on that. Uh, really big for about five years and then just kind of yeah, disappeared. Yeah. What uh, else has she been in? Because I didn't. I don't recognize her from anything, uh, but I mean, no, really, it was really Batman and Robin's all I really know her from. Excess baggage. Don't know it. That was a yeah throwaway movie, really. Um, she had a TV series in the in the early mid two thousands, but you wouldn't know that. No, I wouldn't know that. Yeah, I don't know, but she was Hollywood's it girl for about yeah three uh, five years, and then yeah. she just disappeared. So Wallace Shawn, who shows up again, who was our debate class teacher named Mr. Yeah. Hall. Now, he was named Mr. Hall because the actual drama teacher, if I think I have this right, the actual drama teacher of Beverly Hills High, when they went and checked things out, was called, uh, yes, it was, Herb Hall. So in sort of a thank you, they named the debate class teacher, Mr. Hall, in his honor for that. And so she goes through a whole speech. And she makes the speech about the Hadians and moving around. It makes a metaphor how it's like a garden party her father was throwing. And um, how um, if we can just get the American government to put out a few more chairs, we can all sit down at the great party that is society. Because there is no RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. And this is where Amber, when she's asked for her opinion, goes, whatever. And she does the whatever with the W. Now, she was another person who was supposed to be played by somebody else who could not get time off. Okay. This person, I think everybody will know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer wow. herself, Sarah, Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller, wow. who at the time was not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. At the time, she was on the American soap opera All My Children, and they would not let her go. So she missed out on... And to be fair, uh, apologies to the girl who played Amber. I thought she was a complete nothing role in this. Yeah, she was. Her role was just to have a sour-looking face and be 
shares kind of enemy frenemy yeah. the whole way through. I don't understand her character. Like in debate class and really kind of shows Cher up on purpose, completely unnecessarily. And then she hangs out with them like their best buds. Well, it's, yeah, it's about, I don't know, it's about teenage culture and frenemies. The fact that, you know, people who you wouldn't hang out with, but they throw you all in the same space. And so you got to be, you still got to see this person at social functions and all that stuff. So you're part of the same group, yet you don't really get on. Am I doing a good job describing that, Georgia? I don't know. I don't. Oh, uh, yeah. Frenemy? I think so. I mean, yeah. I didn't, I was never really in the popular crowd. So this film kind of okay. didn't really stand out much to me. But yeah. I was kind of just laughing at it rather than with it, which I don't think is <laughs> the intended purpose. Oh, I think they, I think no, I think the intent is to laugh it at it. It is the last time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it was supposed to be a satire of the, of, of the in crowd. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. well, knowing that, I feel like it it did an all right job. It probably could have satirized it a little bit more. Because Amy Hecklin didn't want to do the in crowd. Yeah, say. that's not really her her thing. Her thing's no. kind of the underdog. So uh, it, it's it's a bit of a loving mockery, but it's still a mockery for sure. Um, and then we just got a nice aside to one of my favorite characters in the film, Travis. Travis, yeah. He really, I forget every time I see this, I think, how much that character grows on me. Yeah. He's so sweet, isn't he? he? Is. And he has this re- realization where he goes, so Mr. Hall, like the way I feel about the Rolling Stones, it's probably how the way my parents or my children will feel about Nine Inch Nails. And Liam and I were talking about how probably actually, no, your kids will actually probably like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah. Like it's going to go full circle, <laughs> which if you look at now, I mean, his, if we assume his character is 16, yeah. 25 years down the road, okay, it's 41 Maybe if we're lucky, the kid's into the Rolling Stones and appreciates classic rock, although might also like Post Malone or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what 15-year-olds We need to that. ask Ethan. Yeah. Why, because Ethan's 15? <laughs> <laughs> He's the closest. Ethan would be, be a Hamilton. I mean, that's, that's like, <laughs> tell like nine snails, I like Hamilton. Um, and so, uh, and this more or less ends debate class. Uh, everybody gets given their grades and they get told that they had oh, lower than they would like. Yeah. And somehow share for that absolutely crap debate, if that's indicative of her performance, and she gets a C? A C plus, isn't it? It's a C, because her friend a C, gets a C minus. Oh, okay. And when she tries to fight it later on, he goes, well, you didn't repair it, and you didn't do this. I'm like, okay, I hear you, Sean, uh, Wallace Sean. Then how does she get, how does she get a C? Yeah, and can I also say, George, what's your take on this? I thought Wallace Shawn looked younger in this than he did in Princess Bride. Oh yeah, definitely. And this is ten years later. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Princess Bride is eighty-five. This is ninety-five. Oh, based on what he looks like, I would not believe that. No. Maybe because he wasn't sweating so much in this. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 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 No one told him he was third choice. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, <laughs> go ahead and listen to our Princess Bride episode. It's a nice bit on Wallace Shawn himself. I'm going to ask Liam and Ellie to come take a look at a laptop I've got set up here because I'm hoping it's going to show up because I want to talk about the, the legacy of the this scene we just looked at in popular culture. So I'm going to go ahead and start it up now. I think yeah. of Clueless quite um, what's the word I'm looking for here quite accurately 
presented in Iggy Azalea's Fancy. I don't know who that is. And oh, how old is this? Have you, have you heard the song before? No. You haven't heard of Fancy? No. Have you heard of Fancy, Ellie? Yeah, I've also seen the video before. Oh, have you? Showed me it. Oh, have I? <laughs> yeah. And Georgia, you've seen the Fancy video. I have, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, just the idea, but what's that image that we came to? It was... How many years after this is this? This is 2015. Wow. Yeah, so, so yeah, 20 that's... years later, uh, Iggy Azalea drops Fancy and decides to go back and play on 95, and that iconic yellow plaid, yellow, yeah. and it was the iPad showing the costumes, and it's the same tennis court scene we're going to talk about in a minute. And it's even the only difference in like the classroom scene is that it's a whiteboard rather than a blackboard yeah. behind her. But like really, really faithful. And I think you yeah. think um, about Clueless. And I think one of those things that happens is that the first thing you think of, I think, is share in that yellow plaid outfit in debate class. I think it was the lead image on the trailer. I think it was our main introduction really to who the character is in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And therefore, um, it's it's kind of. It's a little piece of the 90s that even when you're now 90s nostalgia, it's that image. It's quite cool. Just yeah. to show how iconic the film as a whole is, doesn't it? That even that, that long afterwards, it's being parodied like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Georgia, any thoughts on it? Um, I think it's, I think it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it back, having seen, having seen the film. It was a nice little throwaway to it. Um. I, I don't know whether it's a nostalgia thing or whether I'm not the right generation, but I did not get this film. <laughs> like, it was it was entertaining enough, but it wasn't. I don't I don't get the hype. I didn't particularly bond with Cher. Okay. I think they did a good enough oh, job. No. Um, like I could have you could have really hated that character. Oh, um, oh like all intents and purposes, you were supposed to. I think you were you're supposed to hate that sort of person in real life. Yeah, no, were... so they do a good job not I didn't hate her in no. the film. Um I just I just it was a it was a meh, it wasn't Batman. Uh <laughs> but it wasn't Princess Bride. Like I seem to it was rem- just kind of a eh, it was alright. Yeah. I seem to remember that the first time I ever watched Clueless, I wasn't particularly fond of Cher. And I think the more times I've watched it, I have kind of grown that fondness for her. See, I think the thing is, you look at Cher and you go, she's obviously spoiled. The many things you could dislike Cher for. Oh, yeah. She's, but, she's a very flawed character, But the she? film, I'm going to argue, doesn't show us anybody better, <laughs> which might make you go, yeah. I didn't like the film as a whole. And I guess that, yeah, that's, that that's fair. Yeah, that is pretty much it, yeah. I, I like mean, Paul Rudd in this film. I mean, the whole purpose of this when, I mean, if you look back as, as, as a retelling of the story Emma by Jane Austen, which I have not read, I will fully admit to that. Me but either. the idea is that you are making fun of the upper class yeah. in that regard. It's a bit of a social commentary parody. And so that's what this is. And so I think Cher is the most likable of a... So if you look at it as half escapism and half we get to feel su- audience superiority, I get to feel better than the people I see on the screen, at least on a moral level, if not on a materialistic level. I think it it didn't quite go far enough into that then okay. for me to feel that way. It just felt it felt like a celebration of it more than anything okay. else because she gets that she gets a happy ending. It's a oh yeah, but, but oh, you could argue only after she kind of learned. I don't know. Yeah. I hear you, and you're totally entitled to the opinion you have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and sort of um, not convince you. Try and I... sway me, please do. Okay. No, because maybe I missed bits. So, um, Cher comes home and needs to finish trying to figure out what can we do to fix this problem that we have, which is the grades. And we get a picture of her mom as she comes in, and she goes, "Wasn't my mom a Betty?" <laughs> so, Georgia, the question I have for you is, Betty, 
real 90s mm-hmm. term, clueless created 90s term. Uh, I'm going to go with a clueless one. It was a clueless created yeah. 90s term, yes. But man, they went for it a couple times. They did, didn't they? The idea of, of, I think this one caught on. Really? A little bit. Mm, I think it did. Hear it didn't. I've never heard it before. There were a couple, no, again, there were a couple we'll... lines in the film that I found to be like redeeming qualities. And there was one here okay. where she says something about, <laughs> um, I like to think, I like to pretend I'm talking to her or something like that. That was good. Like okay. the fact that she didn't, um, like there was a couple of lines where she takes, makes fun of almost of herself, which I quite liked, mm-hmm. but I mean, that was, there was one in this segment here. I I'm, thought you were going to say that you liked the line about how her mum died in a freak accident during a routine liposuction because that was one of my favourite <laughs> lines of the film. That is, that is quite funny. And there well, is yeah. this idea, I mean, like Josh, his mom's on like her fourth or fifth marriage. I mean, the idea the idea here is that money corrupts everybody. Of course. And so Cher is the best, despite all the cynicism around her, somehow Cher is the most optimistic person going. Misguided though it may and is. Um, she still is ridiculously positive. And this is where we enter Josh, played by... One of my personal favorite actors in Paul Rudd, um, who does I Rudd. I, who does not age, um, <laughs> wearing a flannel shirt, and I'm sorry, guys, Liam, I I was I was loving the flannel shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I just want that flannel shirt. <laughs> not my thing, but oh, know. to me, like '90s cool is still. I said this last week, but '90s cool to me is still cool. <laughs> we talked a little bit about it with the Tyler Durden thing. Yeah. And now this, I just, I just, yeah, I just want the shirt. I'll give you that one. Okay. Yeah. I was still wearing band t-shirts. But, <laughs> but his introduction is this. His in Georgia, who loves Paul Rudd. His introduction is Rudd. he walks up to Alicia Silverstone, like pinches her stomach, and the direct quote is, you're filling out there. Oh, I missed the stomach pinch, and I thought he was being really inappropriate, and I found it strange. Oh, you thought you meant like like bust wise? Yeah. No, no. He was he like he like like grabbed like her midriff yeah. and was like, "Oh, you're filling out there," and I was like, "Oh, this I mean, is that's problematic." Still pretty strange, to be fair. Well, it's it's strange, but I mean, it it came off like here's a girl who who's very thin. Prob he's playing on mm-hmm. her insecurities. Like I understand that side of it. He's playing on her insecurities. Their brother and sister, I'm not saying it's right far from it, but I'm saying um, 90s culture, it's a parody of things. But you're still going, man, you just fat shamed a girl who <laughs> weighs nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not a joke you could make today, no. is it? No. But she calls him Cato. And I want to know if any of you guys picked up on this. No. She said, okay. Was in okay. Superman's dog? No. Cato is a reference to Cato Kalin. Cato Kalin was the house guest of O.J. Simpson. I was going to say, yeah. So when O.J. Simpson, uh, who's an American football player, was it was the crime of the 90s. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah I know. And pretty much is the birth of courtroom TV. Yeah. And uh, part of this, the story is that he had this guy who was like living in like, a, he was like a, like a lodger. And he was like, he, kind of, he came off kind of was like, just like a bum who was like leeching off O.J. Simpson. But and he became like a, a C-list celebrity for a few years. But his name was Kato Kalin. And so when she calls him Kato, she's making a reference to this. Yeah. Which I thought, you know, you're just a guy who's just hanging on. You don't yeah. belong here. You shouldn't be here. You're mooching off us. Um, and we don't really know why, because we do understand why. Is it Mel? Is that what his name was? Yeah. Mel wants to keep him around, but we don't understand why he wants to keep him around because he's a university student. He doesn't have to come. Like, it's a great house. Yeah. The columns date all the way back says, to 1972. Like he says later on, he says that, you know, the only person that cared about me was, was Mel. Mel, yeah. But he does also say something about the house and how he wishes he could live there or something yeah. like that in well, that opening. And it, it, it takes a while to get there. So at first we're kind of going, why are you here? Yeah. 
Um, and then we go to dinner. And it's really interesting how they have Josh and Cher sit on the same side of the table. Mm. Because it's designed so that we have those shots where the two of them are mirrored against each other. Yeah. That's what we call two shot. And when you split the screen equally, it suggests there's a relationship at play. It could be an adversarial relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be a budding romance. We know in the end what this ends up being. Mm -hmm. But it's that idea of see them together and picture them as a a couple early on. Uh, And then she makes the speech about how she's going to change grades. And her dad needs her to explain this to him. Now, which she does, but really it's so we can have it explained to us because she finishes by saying, well, I do the same every other semester. In which case... Why does dad need this explained to him? Yeah. If this is like the eighth straight semester of this has happened. Maybe he's not normally as on top when the grades are supposed to be It's because the out. audience needed to know. Yeah. Movies got to movies. <laughs> How, like, it's weird, though, because we have, for the amount of voiceover this film used, you could have had her go, and I've decided I'm going to do this. Why not? I do it every other semester. Yeah. And that would have sufficed. Like, you had a built-in storytelling technique that does this. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> And so they decide they have to make Mr. Hall happy. And their words, not mine, we've got to make sure he has a boink fest. (laughs) Um, And so there's a great shot of him, of Wallace Shawn, from outside. It's kind of like you're shooting from inside of like a, a, I don't know what to call that, like the other side of an archway, really. Yeah, and you see him sort of walking down this this um, path, and he's like perfectly um, framed by trees and the and the archway. Beautiful shot. And they go, "Here's the four one one. Here's the four one one. Georgia, our game again. Here's the four one one. Actual nineties. That's term. real. That's oh, real. Okay. That's real. I've heard that news. That one's real. Do you know what here's the four one one means? Oh, I did. Oh. It's an American term. No, you have to remind me. I did know. Okay, four one one is the number you push for information. Ah. So when they say, here's the 401, it's here's the relevant information you need to know about Mr. Hall. That makes sense. Which I thought was great. Um, I knew what it meant in conversation. I didn't know its origin, but I knew if I heard that, that was what it meant. And through a series of point of view shots in the teacher's lounge, I don't know how she's in the teacher's lounge, but we sort of see her looking at various people. Um, We get introduced to, well, you can't go out with certain people because they're ugly. You can't go, but they're married. Uh, and then we get to Miss, oh, what was her name? Miss Geist. Geist. Miss Geist. And Miss Geist. Geist? Geist? Double check. All right. Miss Geisty Geisty was. Um, Geist. Geist? Okay. Miss Geist was. Um, she looked like a complete wreck, right? Mm. Like she looked like a bird's nest haircut. Like, this isn't someone who's just unromantic. I, I this is someone. I recognize her. Did you? Yeah. Why I think at least I think at least that too. I don't yeah. know. I don't know her from anything oh, I can I remember. Oh. We'll, we'll come back to that. But, I mean, this woman who, like, if you showed up to work like this, she'd be like, um, go home. <laughs> not, the, not, 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 the, not the runs in her stockings and not the feather slip show. Her hair was just a disaster. <laughs> like an unmitigated disaster. But they drop a couple notes in the, uh, with each other, the other teacher and sort of do the whole, oh, she said this about you. And, oh, he said that you're like this. And I go, mm. And um, they come up with, um, they're going to write a little sonnet, a little love note. I don't know her from anything else. That's fine. Uh, they're going to write a little love note. And Ellie, did you get the actual quote I from did. the love note? Yeah, it's rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, but thy eternal summer shall not fade. And that was by Cliff Notes, which <laughs> yeah. actually, and Cliff Notes is like Spark Notes, I guess. 
So back before there was Wikipedia and YouTube articles and teachers had to go, please do some of the work yourself. Do not just watch the movie. Do not read the cliff notes is what they would say. I always watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, would, I would give my right arm for the kids to just buy cliff notes now because at least they would have read like a summary. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to just going, I copy and pasted this off the internet. Yeah, summary yeah. is not off Wikipedia as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Cliff Notes are pretty good, actually. Cliff Notes were really good. The theory being you've read the book and this is like reinforcing or testing your, your sort of knowledge, summarizing. Uh, we have an award ceremony for the Tardies. Um, Travis, um, who wins it because he had so many Tardies, thanks all the people who help him um, get his Tardies from his parents to McDonald's. For making those delicious Egg McMuffins. So based on last week's episode, yeah. I think mm-hmm. Travis likes the wedgie bit. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. On that note, I did a poll. I did a poll last week. How do people most like their eggs? And before we do that, Georgia, we never heard from you. How do you like your eggs? The choices are sunny side up, over easy, scrambled, or poached. The I... Sunny side up, I know. That's just a fried egg, right? Yeah. That's pretty much what Brits would consider a fried egg, yes. What is over easy? We had the same discussion last week. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So over easy is when you take the egg, you fry it like a sunny side up egg, and then you flip it for like all of like 10 seconds on the other side. If that. Yeah. And it just creates like a nice little, um, you don't have that sort of yellow bulb for the yolk. It's still runny, but it's like. But that is, that is a fried egg, yeah. No, it's not. You wouldn't cook both well, sides a, of the fried it's, egg. It's a fried egg. You oh, yeah, but it's not how egg. we would normally fry an egg, though. That's how I've always been taught to fry an egg. You, oh, really? You, you always flip the egg? Yeah. Okay, so you like your eggs over easy, then? No, I don't like those, though. Okay. You, you, <laughs> then you've always had Try your eggs over them. easy. <laughs> They're good if you don't flip them. So how do you like your eggs, then, Georgia? Um, I recently got introduced to poached eggs okay. about a year ago and i do like poached eggs okay. poached eggs are my favorite as well uh, whereas i did a poll and over easy won the poll really yeah we didn't have many votes oh. on it but it was i think if we all like put our our votes in i think we could sway it but mine's sunny side but up. i like i like a sunny side up egg myself yeah, yeah so i don't like fried eggs at all well there we go um i like dippy eggs well, is that is that like a is that like an a boiled egg? A, oh, like soft a like boiled. a soft boiled egg. It, I can only put four options on, so I chose not to for the sake oh. of. But no, absolutely, you're 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 allowed to vote that. That's fine. It just I like dippy eggs. Dippy eggs, okay. With soldiers. We have soldiers. Yeah, to to any soldiers. Americans listening, that slices of toast in vertical, <laughs> small vertical lines. You can dip it nicely into a soft boiled egg that is on a little egg holder. I don't. I don't yeah, just insist on like cup. buff military yeah. men in my kitchen at breakfast time so share um is called up on her two tardies and she asks for clarification on when these tardies were he provides one of the date and she says well hang on that's one of the days that i was riding the crimson wave <laughs> to which point wallace sean did the same thing i would do <laughs> just go if you stop talking about it i'll take it away <laughs> no but he goes okay you must be referring to menstrual problems but he says woman's problems well, but problems, yeah. yeah um so he takes that one off and she goes, oh, Miss Geist was right. Geist was right about you. Oh, what's that? You're the only one here with any intelligence. Now, if you said that as a teacher and you said, yeah, that one colleague I have is the only other one here with any brains. The rest of them are idiots. You'll be looking for a job next week. Yeah. You just could not do that. But he just kind of takes it like, oh, all right. then." <laughs> I figured out where I know Miss Geist from. Where's that? She's in Community. Is she's she? in the episode as a uh, in one of the, the first episode. episodes. In the episode. Yes. <laughs> no, she's in one of the 
episodes in the first season, she's the um, uh, dance teacher in the interpretive dance lesson. Oh, she really? Oh, she is yeah. too, yes. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, and so we get back, and now Cher has got some tickets. And this really kind of wrinkled my brain a bit for a little bit of a community reference there, in the sense that you don't have a license. How are you driving? And this is where we find out that apparently in California it, must be, it is – there's a permit and there's a license yeah. and they're not the same thing. Cause I was seriously going, wait, how is she getting tickets and like not being like the car taken away? But apparently it's just that. Um, it doesn't make sense though, because why you're still driving around like, so what's, it just doesn't seem safe. I mean, in Canada, we have something where it's called the G program in Ontario. There's the G one, which gives you your one year license in a sense, but you always have to have a qualified driver beside you. Well, that's what our that's, that's the equivalent of a provisional license. Okay, here. so what you call provisional license, they must call permit. Okay, but she didn't have a, a qualified driver well, with her. I don't know what the I don't know what the specifics are for a California permit. They don't have just different rules. Silly. It just doesn't seem safe. I, I I think the movie would tell us that Cher is not a safe driver. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Those things came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we the, basically dad says you can't drive around with Dion anymore. You have to have a proper driver beside you. And the answer to that is Josh. And Josh has to help her. And Josh, she goes out to see Josh. And Josh is wearing black on black on black, trying to grow a goatee, goatee with black sunglasses <laughs> and is reading Frederick Nietzsche. <laughs> this guy couldn't look any more... Um, the university putts if he tried. <laughs> uh, definitely pretentious and sanctimonious. Um, and but he takes her driving. To his credit, he does go and helps her drive. And yeah, another good line there where he says, um, "Stop talking and tell me what you want," which yeah. I quite like. He sees well. right through it. And there's a great bit when they're arguing in the car where they start referring to. She refers to him as Marky Mark. Marky Mark, yeah. And like it's an insult, and like Mark Wahlberg ends up being one of like the like bigger actors, biggest actors. He's arguably a bigger actor than Paul Rudd is these days. Yeah, well, and much bigger than Alicia Silverstone is. Well, where is she now? Where is she now? I'd like to know. See, that actually, says something to my knowledge because I know done... who Paul Rudd is, but I know the name of the other one, and that's it. So yeah, I I was looking it up earlier, and she's actually done quite a few films recently. Okay, but like films of note. Um. I think she was in she was in one of like the Scooby Doo films, so that wasn't that recent. Oh wow. Um Films of Note there. <laughs> Georgia, um you said you weren't sure you knew who Mark Wahlberg was. You've seen The Departed, right? Yes. The one who at the end climbs up with like a, a, a grocery bags on his feet. <laughs> the one who gets mad and like was always like punching like his coworkers in the face. The only one that survived. I can't remember it well All enough. Right. Well, you've seen it, he's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so it just says something. I know I I could picture Paul Rudd. He's one of the ones I do know what he looks like. Oh, he's Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing really kind of standing out as stuff that I've heard of or seen. I know this. <laughs> Thank you then for bringing it up. <laughs> I just, I just, there's quite a lot of credits from the last few years. So she's made a lot so of crap. Obviously... Okay, but she's still acting. Is my point? She's not just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. She's okay, still so involved she's in the film industry. Movies, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. This is where Josh calls Cher selfish. And this really hits home. Yeah. She really doesn't like the sound of that. And so we cut to them at lunch, and it's really bugging Cher. And she asked Dion, am I selfish? And I couldn't think about that that much, because I was busy looking at the Coke and the Minute Maid 
um, <laughs> boxes and cans on the table and went, I wonder if there was any product placement here because Minute Maid is part, if I'm not mistaken, of the Coca-Cola company. Yep, it is. So oh, this is just yeah. nice product placement here. Um, and this is where we have to talk about some of the 90s words that were used in this film, which you definitely would not use today. Because I believe it's at this point that Cher refers herself to feeling like such a retard. <laughs> and I was going, well, that's problematic. That word is used quite a lot in this It film. is used quite a lot. It's something we really have but to... But that was used I quite a lot back in the 90s as well, though. Was, Pardon yeah. me? That was used quite a lot back in the 90s. Oh, it's it's definitely accurate for its time. It just makes it awkward at times to go back and look Looking and go... Looking back on it now, yes. But I think it's also important when we're in a situation like today where we've built on that over the last 25 years to go take a look back because we've built on this for 25 yeah. years. We can just snap our fingers one day and decide it was so. It's mm. just uh, we, we're, we're constantly in a uh, process of self-reflection and correction and going, is this what we want to be? And at that time, that wasn't something that came across our brains as being um, inappropriate. But at some point over that point, we went, yes, it very much is. So much so that now looking back at it, I went, whoa. And probably in 95, I didn't. No. No. I didn't. Quite interesting, actually. I was, I've, I've just started watching 13 Reasons Why. And um, in an episode that I was watching yesterday, there's a bit where Anna says, um, well, she refers to herself as a retard. Oh, really? And um, I've forgotten his name, Clay, um, turns to her and says something like, I don't think you're supposed to say that. Yeah. So they they kind of use it as a commentary. As on, a little teaching moment almost, yeah. Yeah. In 2017. So, um, and... This is where they start their makeover of Mrs. Geis. And by makeover, I mean they ambush her in the, is it the car park or is it by, no, it's out of no, her classroom. No. They open the, the yeah. room and it's a, two, it's a shot of the two of them like attacking her, this taking off horrific. her overcoat, referring to herself as such a lovely skinny little waist. <laughs> and they like take her hair out and Jeez. take off her glasses. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is like assault. This is my nightmare. It's that one day people are like, we're going to be a makeover as you walk over from and take my hair out. <laughs> if, I've, if I've grown it out and then another awkward one um they're talking about lunch or just before this they're talking about lunch and Cher says she feels like such a heifer and a heifer being a type of cow yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yes a female, yeah. female cow yes and she's like listed all the things she's eaten today but it's not that much and it ended with five peanut m&ms and i'm like <laughs> Peanut butter M&M's, I think she said. I was peanut like, butter I love a peanut butter M&M. Me too. And, um, Does that make me a heifer? <laughs> I, it was just some of this, with the squeezing and the filling out yeah. and all that stuff, I was just going, I don't like, I know what it is. It's a parody. It's a parody, and in the 90s, it kind of, but look, again, back to what we just said, looking back at it from 25 years of progression, I'm going, oh, that's really, really rough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're two guys talking about this, so yeah. I'm going to see if uh, Ellie Georgia. Any thoughts on any of that? Uh, I think I, I agree. You wouldn't find it in a film now, and it is obviously problematic, especially when you think about the audience that the film is designed for. Yeah, Nickel- we said Nickelodeon MTV, didn't we? So that's like the audience they're aiming for. Yeah. So you know, obviously, you've got teenage girls who are impressionable, and yeah, it is a problem. But I mean, that said, I've never. Today or otherwise, I've never kind of watched these scenes and gone, "Oh, that's really awkward," or "Oh, that's terrible." Okay, couldn't couldn't have that in a film now. Like it, it just kind of, I just watched it, you know. Georgia, any thoughts? I think um, it's although it wouldn't be shown today because it's because today we're more conscious of not actively promoting that mindset 
Whereas then they're just commenting on the female mindset. Like, that is that is accurate. Yeah. Um, even the thinnest thinnest girls will find flaws with their body um, and comment on it. So I think in that regard, it is accurate. But no, you wouldn't comment on it today because you don't want to actively um, encourage that mindset. If anything, they'd do something that would discourage it. And this is during the time of supermodels with like Cindy Crawford, Kate Moss and all these different people, Naomi Campbell. So maybe this was just a prod at this. And again, she's doing a parody or she's doing a a mockery of that class. The problem is it's only effective if it works, as in like if we get that it's a mockery. Yeah. The problem is what happens if someone doesn't get the joke? True, and and that becomes the difficult thing. And really, part of what we teach, uh, what I teach sometimes, is that you can encode a text with a meaning you want someone to get. So the the desired disencodement would be, share is stupid because she is calling herself a heifer for doing this. She's skinny. She's not eating enough. That's a problem. That's the preferred reading. But what happens if the audience goes? Oh, I shouldn't eat much because the pretty blonde girl didn't eat hardly anything and calls herself a cow. See, now I didn't see it that way. I saw it as though the person, the viewers, say like you as a young teenage girl watching it, I'd assume that they'd look at that and go, well, she's pretty, she's slim. And now she's having these thoughts and saying these thoughts and they would relate to that and go, well, I say these things. But, you know, I I am not. We're we're similar. And this is the problem with some texts. Ideally, you and I should, if it's done correctly... Yeah. You and I should get the same reading from that. Yeah. And that, and we got three. Between two of us, we had three different readings there yeah. somehow. So, I mean, th- there's a problem in that. But again, it, without her going, I want the audience to know that. I mean, it, it can make it really difficult to do that in a way that feels natural and not yeah. forced or clumsy. I'm I think so that is probably clumsy. my... And it- Huh? Did you just say speaking of forced or clumsy, and then <laughs> segue to me? No, I, I promise you, I didn't. I was just singing. I was, I was singing the song "Fancy" with the song "I'm So Clumsy," <laughs> but like, it cut out slightly. I think and then someone's you were projecting. Just both <laughs> 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 so, sorry, what were you going to say anyway, Georgia? I mean, I am probably forced and clumsy, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say is I think my biggest issue with the film overall is that it doesn't quite push the satire far enough um, and it comes across in some places as more of a clumsily written love letter to the in crowd than it does as satiration of it. Okay, um, that's fair. Which is what I would like, would have liked to have seen more of. There are moments of it and there are moments of it which I really appreciate, but I think there are a few too many where it doesn't quite hit that order for me. I didn't know whether that'd come across as too over the top. Uh, the question is, can you rescue it? Is this the best version of this film? In which case, George is still, George yeah, is still but... totally in her right mind yeah. to go, don't like it. Uh, I think you might be right, though. I think if you try to tweak it, I don't think it's a better version of this film. No. So I think this is as good as it can get. Happy medium, and it? if you like what, what, for what it gets, which I think is what you and I have, then mm. we go, all right. Yeah. And if you don't like it for what we have, you equally go, all right. But we really... How do you fix this anymore? Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I don't know if you can without making it look um, cartoony. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. It'd be interesting to watch it again with that proper like mindset on of no, it is supposed to be satire, yeah. and see what what you got out of it that way. But um, no, I would, I, I'll, I'll probably watch it again at some point and see if I can get a different 
viewing of it, I should say. I'm happy to hear that. And speaking of happiness, um, we have a, a, a montage of Mr. Hall being happy. Um, because much like in our other podcast, um, Talking to Mickey, where we just talked about the Incredibles and the happiness that uh, Mr. Incredible came under when he was finding fulfillment in his job and sex life. We have the same thing happening, it seems, with Mr. Hall here, who's uh, giving out nice grades because fresh he is his boink fresh off of his boink <laughs> not just a session, it's a fest, which suggests oh, it's boink, a, boink it is, fest, it is a festival it? of boinking. So it's, it's multiple, multiple an image. boink sessions becomes well, a boink fest. I, I suppose so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get that at, fresh off that we then go to the tennis lesson and this is where we're introduced to the new character ty played by Brittany murphy yeah who looks nothing like Brittany murphy before mm-hmm. or after her makeover no i'm like this is not the same girl no yeah i think the first time i saw clueless i didn't realize it was Brittany murphy she looks so different because the version of Brittany murphy george do you know Brittany murphy at all no, I'm literally just now Googling yep. her to see The if version I, of Brittany Murphy I always think of is from Just Married, which was a terrible film she did with yeah. Ashton Kutcher. But yeah. it's that blonde, that bleach blonde version of Brittany yeah. Murphy, which she kind of was up until her very premature death. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the only film I've seen that she's in is Happy Feet, and that's an animated film about penguins. So no, she I also doesn't look her. like Brittany Murphy in that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she looked less like Brittany Murphy in this film. Yeah. Um, and there is a guy who brings over Brittany Murphy to introduce us we we have a new student here today we, he was a, he was a black gentleman and uh that is the real life mr hall the drama oh, teacher from wow. beverly hills high that so he got cool. his namesake in the in the form of a debate teacher but he actually got a cameo in that spot there I love that. which i thought was great that is cool. and so she says something about wanting to get um a water or something like that and they say oh we don't do that but we have coke and it's great she says she wants a herbal refreshment oh herbal refreshment which is a reference sorry yeah it's not water it's a reference to marijuana and they go no we don't have that but we have coke and they're they're talking about literal coca-cola you have coke but but she's like oh because you can tell she's i think she's supposed to be like brooklyn or new york or something like that something um but yeah her voice changes it it definitely does (laughs) but she decided that she was well up for some cocaine right now yeah yeah, there were moments when she first comes on that I thought maybe she was like Australian or like I, I couldn't Good eye, tell everybody. there was a strange accent going I'm on. I'm a new student. I'm a new student. Oh yeah, cocaine. <laughs> I don't know where my accent was like a wise guy. Oh, you, refreshment. Oh, you got cocaine, wise guy. All right, say. <laughs> I'm sorry for all you podcast listeners out there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then we have uh, the shared such is going to introduce us to all the clicks. And this happens in every teen movie ever. There's always a new kid in every teen movie. Always, Absolutely. always, always. And someone, and usually it's the main character, but someone has to show them around and basically goes, here's this group, this group, this group, and this group. And these are the rules of the school. Yeah. Where and do the, you fit in? <laughs> and the rules of the school are you don't date burnouts and you only date like the young millionaires club kind of. It was sort of laid out to be, which of whom Elton and Murray are members. Yeah. Um, and there's a nice meet cute in the lunch queue f- between Travis and Ty, Ty, where they discover that she can draw Marvin the Martian, and he's a stoner, so he just kind of goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's pretty much the relationship. But you get the feeling there's really not that much different between them. But this, no. you know, what was the first thing she wanted? She wanted some weed. Yeah, when she first showed up, and we see Travis, who you know, I bet he had some. 
In fact, we know he has some later <laughs> in the film. And so we they decide though that share you know she decided the words from Josh are still stinging, and she needs to do something good for the universe. And what that means is not just getting um, Mr. Hall a relationship and all the benefits that go with such. <laughs> like boink fest. Yes. How many times can we say? Boink to be fest? fair, I think it's a singular boink fest. <laughs> Um, boink is really satisfying to say. Is it? <laughs> yeah. and, then, boink. and then we get a, a a makeover montage to the song. Boink. I'm going <laughs> to the song. Boink. Sorry. To the song. I'm going to recut this. <laughs> and then we get a makeover. <laughs> Sorry, we've all had a go now. Uh, and then we get a boink. makeover. And then we you get feel a... like you need to say boink. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> uh, and then we get a makeover montage to the song, I'm a Supermodel. And um, Brittany Murphy looks cute at the end of this. Yeah. They take her kind of greasy hair and her they make hair and, and they make they it kind of like like they, they make it curly and kind of have it go like out. I like how they I like how they curl it with wild. the coke cans. <laughs> See, I missed that. Oh, that the back, yeah, the back roller was a coke. Oh, I can. couldn't make out what you guys were laughing at. I mean, coke oh. in their pl- product placement. I mean, even like in ways it shouldn't be. Here's a coke can. <laughs> I don't know what else was a coke can. I'm just gonna make up random things yeah. that were coke cans in this, and um. Then there's a second meet cute because she's over at um, Cher's house. Ty is over at Cher's house, and Cher's basically encouraging her to use like word of the day, sporadic. Yeah, and the word of the day is sporadically. And um, we have a second meet cute, and this time it's with Josh. Yeah, and Josh is kind of smitten. Um, how old is Josh? I'd say Josh is in his early twenties. Yeah. <laughs> If not middle. Like, he's at uni, isn't he? He's at uni, but I mean, like, to an American uni, you don't go until 18, and it's four years, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. looks like he's not, like, in his first year. Like, he's ready to be a lawyer. He's trying to decide if he wants to be a corporate lawyer or an environmental lawyer, mm. which means you do your undergrad, and then on top of that, you do law school in the States. So, like, he could be anywhere between 20 and 24. Yeah. And it's a bit problematic with with Kai, isn't it? Or Ty, isn't it? Yes, I think Considering so. Considering she's 16, yeah, it's a yeah, bit... Right? It's a bit... Mm, it's weird, yeah. cause in the sense of share, this is really going to feel weird to say this, but it's not like everybody else doesn't know who he is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, obviously, Mel thinks he's a great guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's that, but we never meet Ty's kind of... Well, kind of. We never meet anybody else related to Ty. She's kind of just like... Is a, every other kid is kind of just yeah. parentless. And so it's just some random 16-year-old who shows up and Josh is like, hey. But isn't she 15, not even 15 16? turning 16. Yeah, yeah she's just saying that. Her birthday's in May. Yeah, and... And shares is in April, so that makes her older. Yes. <laughs> and she, it's, earlier she gave her some, some older woman advice. Yeah. As, your, as your elder, let me tell you that burnouts are not to be hung out with. Yeah. yeah. And so th- instead... Um, Cher decides she's going to try and get Ty together with Elton. That is the answer. Yes. And so there's. Did you know Elton is played by a sentient Coke can? 
<laughs> played by a Sydney Cocaine named Jeremy Sisto. Jeremy Sisto, who would be on Six Feet Under and on Law and Order, uh, amongst other things. Um, this movie had so many stars who would later go on and become be, like a big deal in, yeah. in, in Hollywood in some capacity. And so there's this photo montage, and it's clear to everybody except for Cher and Ty, bless them both, <laughs> that Elton is into Cher yeah. and is not into Ty. Nope. And even when Ty's told to get a little bit closer, Elton kind of rolls his eyes a bit and then goes, all right. And then he asks for a copy of the photo. Now, I do have a problem with Elton's logic here in this regard. Yeah, that's weird. Because that could have been any photo. Yeah, it could have been any photo, but also the idea that I'm going to put a picture of, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. And so we go to party number one. And the thing I love the most is yelling at each other over a map and how to read this thing to get where you want to go because today's youth will never know the struggles. No. <laughs> I still use I a map. I did really laugh at that. That reminded me a lot of long drives with my parents. Does it? I don't use that now. I still use a map. And so um, they they get into the party and Travis wants to bring them beers, but spills beer all over Cher's new shoes. It's satin. She gets mad because it's satin. He tries to buy them off with weed. (laughs) She Uh, accepts that. Yeah, she does for later. (laughs) Uh, And then Elton sort of, they see Elton's there and they play a game called Suck and Blow. (laughs) And the way this worked is you had like a, a, a... Library playing, card or playing, playing card or something like that? Card, yeah. And you were supposed to kind of through, as you sort of kissed the, the card from person to person to person, you, you had to suck it while you were trying to pick it up and then blow it when you were trying to transfer the card over to the next person down yeah. the line. And, of course, uh, when it gets to the end, it's um, Elton, and, Elton and Cher, and Elton drops it and lays, lays a kiss on Cher. And we all know it's on purpose. Yeah. Now, in truth, they could not get the actors to do this properly because they couldn't have the right amount of air pressure to make this thing work. Really? So they ended up punching little holes in the card. Yeah. So it would, like, uh, work better. And then yeah. when that didn't work enough, they put so much lip chap on them that it would, like, help to act as, like, an adhesive. <laughs> <laughs> and then they finally got it to work. That's funny. Um. And so that happens, and then we find out that um, Murray, for some reason, Murray doesn't have much of a plot line throughout most of this. He's just kind of there. Yeah. It's like someone said, I know this really funny kid. He'll be great for your movie. <laughs> Do we need to worry about storyline? No. No. Because he's getting his head shaved, and it's just this close-up on his face, and he's just like super satisfied with life, and they, and they sort of um, zoom out, and he's getting his head shaved. And he keeps saying, in about the span of 30 seconds, he says, I'm just keeping it real, about six times. Yeah, <laughs> And for the rest of the film, he's not got a shaved head. He's wearing a hat, and you can clearly see he's got hair. It isn't until the end you see he's still got no hair. It's, it's difficult, because we don't know really the time frame of this movie either. Mm. Um, Synchronicity. Is that the word? No. Uh, the... Continuity. Continuity. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and then speaking of heads, um, Brittany Murphy's just walking across the thing, and a shoe like flies out of nowhere and hits her in the head. <laughs> and it knocks her down. And they get Elton to lay her on the table and take care of her, and they push Travis out. And he's quite heartbroken, bless him. Travis's face in this scene is so sad. And um, they ask her something that she's going to test if she has a concussion. They say seven times seven. Cher says she wouldn't know it anyway. (laughs) And then she gets up, uh, Ty, and bangs her head off the lamp. And... Elton's version of a sobriety test or a concussion test is seeing if she can repeat the line rolling with the homies. With like a, a little like along along the ocean sort of, you know, yeah. hands sort of. <laughs> it's kind of like what you did when you were a kid and you'd roll down the window and you kind of like, like hit, hit your, <laughs> yeah. your hand. Did anybody else do that? Hit the yeah, hand yeah, off yeah. the air current? Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still do it. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so that's enough. And we think we had a meet cute, but then there's the drive home. And the problem is that Elton needs to go north and uh, Kai, Ty needs to go south. And it's been on a little bit too Cher's long trying forever mm-hmm. to make it happen, and she's denying the inevitable. And you know, you don't really know where Elton's going with this because it seems like he has had a moment with her, for the, but he's really. I think if he was really interested, he would have made the extra drive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he would. So, but I think the only person even more in denial of and Ty is Cher. Like Cher's just in this coming. Uh, Elton gives her a ride home, and by giving her a ride home, I mean he pulls over like two minutes into the drive and sexually harasses her. <laughs> By trying to kiss her, she says no. Tries to kiss her, she says no. She gets out of the car. He says, get in the car. She says no. Then he drives off. She goes, leave me alone. And he goes, fine. And then she goes, wait, where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> and then she's mugged about five seconds later by like the most mer- nervous mugger there ever yeah. was. Probably his first mugging, bless him. Yeah. Um, oh, Brad Pitt to do it. Does this need to be one of those moments where we go, uh, best film ever does not condone mugging because we all just bless the mugger. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comedy in it. Yeah. Because she like, makes like, you know, her, she, she almost gets shot in the head because she doesn't want to ruin her dress. Yeah. <laughs> um, Last thing you'd be thinking about is your dress, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's an <laughs> And so um, she calls Josh. And Josh has this girl over. It's the only time we see like this girlfriend comes out of nowhere, and we no, never see no. her again. Uh, but they're going down, and then this girlfriend's and they're, she's like as pretentious as Josh is in the Nietzsche scene. This girl's like a thousand times worse. Than this so scene. bad. And she starts quoting who she says Hamlet, but is corrected. <laughs> this is a great scene because Mel Gibson never said those lines. <laughs> it was that Polonius guy. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a little nod from. Yep, he's like she's, he's got you there, yeah. but, but then like he's but then like the girlfriend catches him smiling. He's like, oh, can't can't smile. <laughs> Gotta take that back. And so um, there was a really weird scene when they're all talking about boys and sex in like a female locker room. I don't know if you guys remember this. In a locker room, there was a female locker room. They were like they just got out of, they just got out of like gym class or PE or something like that. The next bit I've got is talking about sex in a restaurant. It's right before that. Right before there's a mini scene. I'm the only one who seems to remember it. Yeah, I don't. Because I was sitting there going, you must I have don't extended know how I feel about this. I mean, it's a female director and it's female. So I guess it's okay, but it just, it's just always problematic when you go, okay, who's the audience for this film? And are we sexualizing the girls by, 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 by doing this here? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but then we move into the restaurant and it's the sex talk. And that's where we find out that Cher is saving herself for Luke Perry. <laughs> Luke Perry, as we had to explain to uh, Ellie, was the, um, the, it the it guy in around 95. He was the star of Beverly Hills 90210. He would later go on to play Archie's dad on Riverdale. Riverdale, yeah. Oh, that's, he is still, he's still good looking though, isn't he? He's, he's, that, well, he's dead that now. Point. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But he was... <laughs> Which is, it's very I'm not sad. laughing at the death of Luke Perry. No, <laughs> it was actually it's one of those moments where you kind of, as a guy of, of, of forty, you kind of go. When Luke Perry died, I went, "Oh shoot!" Yeah, it was like a mark of my own mortality to go. Luke Perry died. Exactly. Like, I'm used to seeing like you know, as, as as I was growing up, you know, my mom would say, "Oh, that person died. I knew them from this," and I was like, "Oh, okay." But you had the ones like, like Kurt Cobain, but those were tragedies. Yeah. Like tragedies, Brittany Murphy. Murphy, tragedies yeah. or over, Heath Ledger, tragedies or overdoses or, or viral illnesses. Yeah. But when they just like start dying just because like their heart gives out or something like that, I'm like, mm. oh, oh, wow. Brings so, yeah, home, doesn't it? it does. And so um, 
there's a great line from <laughs> talking about why she's not having sex where um, Cher goes, oh, I'm picky about my shoes. You know how picky I am about my shoes and those only go on my feet. <laughs> yeah. My favourite line here was from Dion just before that and she says the PC term is hymenally challenged. That I did laugh at that. That got a laugh from I completely missed the shoes joke because I was writing down the <laughs> previous one. And then enter Christian. As Christian enters the classroom, I don't know if you notice, on the board beside him as he walks in, there's this thing that says, on the road to nowhere. <laughs> and this is very much Cher's road to nowhere, because it's never going to pay off, is it? Yeah. And um, This is the, the discount Luke Perry. Discount Luke Perry. <laughs> kind of like if Luke Perry and uh, James Dean, yeah. kind of, you put him in a blender, and then you add a little bit of Jason Priestley in there, <laughs> you got you got Christian. Um, and his name was Justin Walker. No, he's played by Justin Walker. His name is Christian. And she drops a pen, so he picks it up, and he goes, nice stems. <laughs> Georgia, stems, in reference to legs, is that a 90s term, or is that a clueless term? That seems too real. I think that might be a 90s term. I believe that's a clueless term. Yeah, I was going to say. Really? I, I don't yes. recognize I've stems. I've never heard been, stems. No. no. Uh, it seems like one that probably could have been real. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it could have been. That's, that's, yeah. why, that's why I put it down as one of the ones I'm yeah. And so there's a bit of a date where they're going out to some sort of dance. Um, she's not wearing much of a white dress. And it's Josh who says to her dad, hey, you're going to let her go out like that? <laughs> a, a little problematic again in 2020 that, you know, we have two men deciding between them what the girl can wear. Uh, I'm not... I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it was it was. A box dress. It wasn't horrendous. This is the thing. I mean, yeah. 95 versus today. I mean, as with everything, um, expectations of what's acceptable shifts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then Josh decides he's going to follow her to the party. He's going to do, Keep he's going to do Melisala. He's trying to sell it like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I'm doing this for you, Mel. Yeah. yeah. You sure? <laughs> and at this point, I'm still going, I don't know how I feel about Josh. And we go to the party and the party is being played by the Mighty Mighty Bostones. Who had a great hit? Uh, was like I never had to knock on wood, but I know someone who has. Just you and I who know yeah, it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, uh, great. It was a great song, but that's pretty much all they had was the one big kind that's of. That's all hit. I remember. To be fair, I love ska bands in the in the in the mid nineties. Do you remember Say Ferris? No, no. I remember the Brian Setzer Orchestra. I don't remember. That wasn't really ska. That was more swing. Yeah, but I loved. Them and the ones who, re, oh, re, real big real fish. Real big fish. Yeah. Why can't we be <laughs> friends? Why can't we be friends? So that that was like a brief two to three year window in the nineties. Ska was big. Yeah, I love real big. Fish. Oh, I love ska. Yeah. Uh, but ska it, punk really was ska it? punk. Yeah, because yeah. old school ska wasn't quite yeah, that. Yeah, and so um, Ty falls down the stairs. <laughs> this party. And I thought it was wonderfully juxtaposed because we had just seen Cher with like her graceful walk down yeah. that made like the boy made Josh much more so than Christian kind of go, oh. <laughs> and yet Ty can't like do anything. Uh, but, clumsy one. but despite this, like all the boys are like, Are you okay? Yeah. And you can go, Oh, hang on. If she plays this the right way, the klutz thing could work for her. Uh, we find out Amanda is a total Monet, <laughs> which means uh, from far away, she looks all right, yeah. but close up, you're like, eh, total mess. Total mess. Yeah. Uh, and then Josh, out of pity, dances with Ty. Uh, and then Christian, a couple times, just enough to go, are you, are you noticing this? He dances with the guys. Yeah. And even... I, I called it as soon as he walked in that classroom. And then we, you have seen the film before, Liam. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
Well, I totally forgot that. But it was great because we had the camera cut away to Paul Rudd, who's like, what? You see him dancing yeah. with the guys, and Paul Rudd's like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. And Cher's like, oh, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. He's hot. Um, and so then we have uh, Christian wants to keep dancing, so they're going to let him keep dancing with the guys from the band or the guy not for the band, the guys from the road crew or something. I don't something know what was going on. And so he's going to leave there, and and um, Josh is going to give him all the film. And I guess they've dropped off Ty, and then get some food for the boys. And again, this is you know for for Dad and the rest of the lawyers who are working. And this is part of that goodness. I mean, she goes out there and makes sure he's fed and, and nutrition and all that stuff. Except for when he wants to eat his like big like submarine sandwich, and he's <laughs> told, "No, no, no, you're going to have lettuce again." Um, and this is also where she convinces uh, Josh about staying around for spring break and not going home to his mum's. Yeah, she says sometimes I have more fun vegging out than I do going out. Yep. And so we start to see the real version of her. And it's important, I think, here in the speech, she goes, well, you don't want to hang out with your brother the whole time. And she makes sure we get the, yeah. the line in, Josh, you are not, not my brother. brother. Yeah. I'm like, that's probably going to be important for where you're going to take this yeah. later on. Um, Unlike the crow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's actually quite, I had thought about that later. Yeah. And then we have Montage. What happened in the crow? In, 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 in the crow, the villain, the, the villain and his like girlfriend or half brother and half sister. Oh. And they start they go, making they out. Go, Are you guys brother and sister? He goes, she's my father's daughter. <laughs> that's, that's, that's still bad. Yeah, that is bad. Uh, yes. And so um, then we have montage number three, which is how do you prepare for a date with Christian, including <laughs> burning cookies. Uh, and then she just wants to really just, she's determined she's going to have sex. This is the night she's having sex yeah. because she also sees um, that's kind of one thing that Ty's got over her is that Ty's had sexual experience and that's kind of giving her influence over people. Whereas it's kind of an area that she doesn't have any um, authority on. And all Christian wants to do is check out the, the art and the statues, which I guess is is a homosexual trait the movie's trying to tell me. Trying to tell you. Yes. Um, and then he brought over some videotapes, including the best film ever reviewed, Some Like It Hot. Yeah. And Spartacus. Both starring Tony Curtis. In one, he's a cross-dresser. And in the other one, he's gay. Yeah, he, he falls in love with Spartacus. There's, well, it's, it's hinted at. It's not shown as. That's hinted yeah. at. And she starts hitting on Christian by, like, you know, touching him and staring yeah. at him. And he bails. He's like, oh, <laughs> shoot, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. She's, like, playing footsie with him, isn't, isn't yeah. she? And says her feet are cold and he just puts a pillow on top of them. <laughs> And then we have a really interesting scene when she's trying to express how badly the date went to Dion. And Murray's in the back seat, not paying attention, because they're talking about for quite a while. Yeah. And then finally he goes, well, you didn't sleep with him. Well, who didn't sleep with you? Christian. <laughs> and I apologize. This is the exact quote. Are you bitches tripping? <laughs> <laughs> you boy, you know my boy uh, Christian is a cake boy. <laughs> he is a friend of Dorothy. I believe friend of Dorothy is a term for Wizard gay. of Oz. I think it's the Judy Garland as a gay gay icon. Yeah, and I think he was a friend of Dorothy, to Dorothy. Yeah. because that's referenced in Arrested Development. There was a big deal about friends of Dorothy to a closeted gay character. Oh, that's probably. A and he would use it, and yeah. didn't realize that he was using it in. Also, isn't there Barbara Streisand in like clothes? in like the the IT crowd where they go to the gay musical? There's one of the songs that goes, "I'm a friend of Dorothy." Oh, yeah, it's a very friend of Dorothy. Very well-known term. I see. I didn't really know that. No, so oh, but these oh, are yeah, terms in yeah. like the gay community. Friend of Dorothy is very much a term. Cool. Because Judy Garland is a gay icon. Okay, yeah. So that's that's a real life one, not a clueless one. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I don't think that would be one. Um, so, uh, and then as they're having this conversation, though, uh, Dion accidentally goes onto the freeway. She does. And gets, I mean, bless her. Everybody is, uh, she must be driving like 20 miles an hour. The old lady giving her the finger. The old lady gives her the finger. <laughs> Obviously, a motorcycle like Hell's Angels Angel gang, gang comes up behind them. <laughs> what I don't understand in this is why they get so freaked out by the truck coming up behind them. And it's like the because truck isn't just going to carry well, on. Well, he is honking. Yeah. There's a great close up of Donald Faison. I think it's the only thing if he if this is all he did for the film was that like scared ah kind of kind of scream worth it. But really after this he's barely in the rest of the movie. No. I never see on too much to be fair. So, um then they go to the mall and uh she's talking to Christian. Christian. And uh off in the corner we can see that Ty is like is on the second floor and totally is like leaning guys. back le- uh, on this railing. Where if she falls, she's going to fall all the way down to the floor below. She's sitting on it, yeah. Yeah. And she goes, if I fell, would you catch me? And then, wouldn't you know it, two seconds later, her dangling her off the edge of it. Yeah. And she's like hitting the guy who's like dangling her. Like, stop it. Stop it. I'm like, out of all the things go. I'm doing, on. <laughs> a, I'm not letting go. I'm hanging on to his arm. And secondly, I'm not hitting the guy who's got a hold of my leg. No. Just in case he winces in pain and I go dropping. So Christian goes over, saves the day, and now at school she is the new it girl, Ty, and they want to know all about her life um, defying moments. And they say, considering how clueless she was, Ty certainly had the damsel in distress thing down. Yes. This is about the fifth time that they referenced the title of this Actually, my count was four. Oh, okay. Well, I was close then. The amount of times I went I don't know if I'm right. I had four. You've got when Ty first comes in. That girl, oh. look at that girl. She's so clueless. There's the bit near the end when Chair refers to herself as clueless. This one, I can't remember. Paul Rudd says when it, when, yeah. when, when it got to three, I started counting and went. Yeah. That's the third. first time I went. Okay, second, third one. I went. I need to keep a tally of this. And then it only stopped at four. So I was like, all right. I'm sure we could Google it, but um, and so um, she doesn't like Travis. Travis comes over and tries to have a moment with her, and she goes, "Don't the burnouts like." Stay over there. And his heart breaks again, bless him. And uh, there's a driving test which Cher fails and fails badly, hits parked vehicles, almost kills a guy on a a bicycle. She's had an argument with Josh. Well, I mean, and the fact she's a terrible driver, but she's had the argument. She had an argument with Josh because she called her maid, said, I don't speak Mexican, and then found out that she's not from Mexico, she's from El Salvador. And Cher doesn't like the fact that she's just wrong about something. And he calls her out on it and calls her a brat. He is called, and she was being a brat there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does feel like her whole world's falling apart. Um, and so um, she can't talk her way out of it, and that throws her for a loop. And then she comes home, and there is Josh and Ty. They appear to be an item, and she's brought over her stuff from Elton so they can burn it all. But along the way, Sheridan insinuates maybe they're not right for each other, um, Josh and Ty, because Josh is really smart. And the insinuation here is that, therefore, you are not. So Ty gets really upset and just forget passive aggressiveness and forget subtlety. You're a virgin who can't drive. (laughs) Yeah. And to be fair to to Cher, she hadn't ever been so vindictive. In any way, shape, or form no. towards no. her. She's been anything but nice to her and tried yeah. to encourage her. So for her to do that. But we had to see a power struggle because when she's telling the story in the previous scene, uh, Cher keeps trying to like butt in and like tell her story and everybody's deferring back to... Is this the Grease scene? 
Yes, you want to talk about this. The scene when she's talking about how her life was saved, you saw a similarity between that and a famous scene in Greece. Yeah, there's a bit just before Summer Nights when they're sitting down talking. And this scene, the camera angles are exactly the same. And they've got the same sort of characters. You've got the Amber character being the Rizzo character. You've got Dion doing the Jan character who's eating. Um, and you've also got um, Brittany Murphy doing her little bit... Um, Referring to, I can't think of a name now. Um, Frenchie. Okay. Uh, you know they're they're all similar sort of characters. Yeah. And if you if you watch that back to front, they're very very similar and camera so angles. Even everything. even the cutaway when it cuts to Amanda, that's similar to Rizzo, is it? When the, yeah, the, yeah. That, that kind of negative experience Where and she, the one who's yeah. just kind of chipping in with like like that. I swear that's a, that's yeah. a call back to Greece. No, I'd see it because every time it, it would it would do move to a different shot in that same scene, you were going, oh, that's just like that. It's it something about yeah. a lollipop as well. Yeah, she was eating a lollipop. Oh, is that Jan? That's the reference yeah. to Jan eating, yeah. Um, and so they've had their fight and Cher goes for a walk by herself as we have a version of All By Myself. Wait. I kept hearing that song at the beginning of the film. Did you? And I kept going, why have I got Bridget Jones in my head? Yeah. And then at the end of that, they played that. I was like, that's why. <laughs> One of the world's great romantic comedies alongside Sleepless <laughs> in Seattle and The Crow. <laughs> I still stand by that. <laughs> um, and so during this clip show, um, which is basically what happens, we have a clip of her memories with Josh and throughout the whole film, along with the voiceover. And she goes, hang on. I love Josh. And just as she discovers she loves Josh, the fountain behind her like lights up lights and goes up off, and goes. which I believe is a reference to the film Gili. I think the same thing happens there during a moment of self-realization of love. Not seeing that. Yeah. And so it's pretty quick the rest of the way. There's a nice scene between Cher and her dad where Cher expresses that she's in love with someone but doesn't love her back. And he goes, well, then he's a dummy if he yeah. doesn't love you. Uh, and if he's that stupid, I don't want him hanging out with my daughter. And he's a really good dad here. And this is where he says, no one's done more good than you. Yeah. Who takes care of me? You take care of me. And I think it's a moment, Georgia, where the film's trying to overcome what it built in the first act. Because it's really difficult. Because you've got to build a lead character you can make fun of, but who we still like and forgive in the end. Yeah. So, um, and then Cher's decided she wants to help. She's going to help the people of Lake something or other there's a travesty and of course mrs geist is wanting to raise money to help and funds and funds and so there's a montage of share helping including when she gives up her skis (laughs) and her dad tries to go you know they probably don't need your skis and in Cher's logic they've lost everything so a Everything would be welcome, and they're going to miss their skis. Because Cher doesn't understand from her privileged perspective no. that people from that part of the world aren't going to have – they don't do <laughs> recreational leisure athletics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, what they really need is, like, food <laughs> and, like, pillows. But to her, she's yeah, like so – She gives them caviar and skis. Yeah, but to yeah. her, like, this is what we have. I value this. Why shouldn't they get our best? Yeah. And so we find out at the um, charity fundraiser that Travis has gotten clean. He's still really into his skateboarding. Uh, he's uh, doing his program. He forgets how many steps there are. Apparently it was 12. 12, yeah. Um, program. He gives up his bong, which I did not realize the first time. I, I was, must have been a very naive teenager. Did you see his little bong? <laughs> no. 
That was a like a, what you'd have as an American ketchup bowl, oh, was it? The, <laughs> or a mustard bowl thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had converted into it. Oh, that's funny. And again, we have a very unfortunate reference of um, Cher says, "I'm the tard here," and I just went, yeah. "Oh, that's a bit awkward." I'm very sad. That's really awkward. Um, <laughs> and we find out that Josh is now out of the picture because uh, she gets. Cher gets invited to go see Travis do his skateboarding. She shows up, runs into Ty. Ty and Travis lock eyes, and they're in love. Which is just a really convenient, let's just ride our way out of this. I mean, they had established it, but it just felt like it kind of just happens. But if Cher hadn't have intervened in the first place, that would have cultivated anyway. And it was the natural, yeah. it's where those two characters were headed from minute one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think we got to the part where, okay, we need to end the movie because we only have 40 days to shoot this. So how are we going to do it? Let's just have some meaningless little fight happen. Okay. Because for some reason, um, we've got Josh and Cher are, high, are looking for a box of files. Cher accidentally put them in the wrong area and it's resulted in more work. So this yuppie lawyer like has like a little bit of a tantrum and says he's going to call in sick tomorrow and storms out. And calls her an idiot. Calls her an idiot. Her to go to the mall or something. And accuses Josh of just, you know, uh, making doe eyes at her. And then he kind of stands up for her unaware because she thinks she stormed out. In fact, she's just sitting on the staircase and hears everything. And they go up and they sit almost on each other's laps as they try to have that conversation. Oh, can you believe that guy? Yeah, I can't believe that guy. Why would he think that? I don't know why he'd think that. And then Josh goes in for the kiss. He does. Go straight in for it. He goes straight in for it. And he does give her a moment to sort of gauge her reaction. And then he goes in again. Just been having a conversation about how beautiful she is. Yes. Hardly straight in. And the... She cares about him as well as me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think I would prefer it if... Like, 95. So 95, yeah. the guy's probably supposed to go in first for yeah. the kiss. But I think given the age discrepancy and all that sort of weird stuff, I would have preferred if she went in for the kiss and you just kind of... And the fact that for a while they were brother and sister. I mean, even if it is by marriage, like, it's still a bit weird. Well, it's interesting that when he gets jealous earlier, we see a look on Mel's face. Yeah. Like... Okay, sure you're doing me a solid, buddy. <laughs> so the film very much wanted us. I think mean, obviously the film wants us to be okay with this because it's the ending. And also oh, she yeah. says earlier yeah. that you are not my you brother. You are not my brother. Yeah. But so the thing is that they could have introduced the Josh character and had him not he didn't have to be. See, the reason for this is because Except in, brother, surely. in the book, Emma, the character who Josh represents is more like someone who helps raise her. Right. And almost like a almost like a parental figure kind of in in in, surrog- worse, in, in but... surrogacy but you know you know kind of like he's it's, yeah. it's she's his ward if you will um which isn't so it's it's once she decided to go all in on the emma um Jesus. yeah kind of like adaptation of, yeah. of, of kind of the main nuts and bolts of it then how far can you stray from that exactly so well, that's make it less awkward for your audience you can probably stray a little bit further but there but, but there is a great fake out and the great fake out is when and so i guess you know what happened next and then we hear the, the wedding march da, 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 da. and she goes as if i'm only 16 and this is california not kentucky i'd be very curious to know what kentucky people felt about yeah. this even today even today if we have any listeners in kentucky please let us know how that joke I think plays we do have listeners from kentucky we might we might we're doing all, like, something like 36 of the 50 states or yeah. something are listening to the best film ever yeah 
big ups or if you're from Kentucky, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's a bouquet toss. And the interesting thing about the bouquet toss is Amy Heckerling is in the pile of bridesmaids who are trying to catch the bouquet. That's cool. She's the one causing the most like problems yeah. of her elbows as it's going up. I think she's beside Amanda. Um, and so that's really about it. And then we have a little bit more kissing between um, stepbrother and stepsister. And it fades <laughs> out. And that's more or less where we're at with Clueless. So, some questions right off. Um, role of women in this film. Because we said last week, role of women in The Crow. The Crow not very cool. good. I'm going to say the role of women in Clueless is incredibly high, especially for 1995. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to think of the time and the era. They, they were very strong characters. Some would argue the two main characters are Cher and Ty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not Josh. No. No, I think Josh is, is, a, is a solid three. Yeah. Josh and the dad, like three, four, five. Sort of Josh and the dad and maybe Dion's like, like the next level down. Even I would Dion's, say Dion's more, more than the dad. Okay, yeah. but more important than Josh? Mm, At the beginning. Similar level. Okay, that's interesting. She and she's a strong character out, too. Yeah. You know. What's your thought, Trudy? Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of representation, but I don't think that because it's supposed to be a satire, they're not necessarily representations of good women. Yeah, right, but that's um, but that's not the difference. but that's not what representation means. Oh no, no, I'm I know. That, representations but... not about let's put them here so they, everybody looks good. It's like no, the, you you know, for once the story is not about men and men's problems, it's about women and women's problems, and they are just as open to being satirized as men are. Yeah, I oh, know that's that's brilliant, okay. but I'm, yeah. I'm saying from a media standpoint, if you want to have representation of women, you'd hope that there was some representation where the women aren't being satirized okay. because they are good people anyway but is it ultimately still a story of redemption though i wouldn't say redemption it's more she re- i don't know i she stops caring about herself and this because of all her clothes remember our first shot is her picking out her clothes one of the last she ones give she gives all of them she, she gives away a few. she gives up a, i mean that's that's a pretty full floor of clothes she she's taken out yeah. it's a pretty good cleanup happening there Okay, but she's still got money to go and buy more if she wants to. She does, but I think that's the message then of, of, of anything. I mean, all of us who sit here have some sort of level of privilege over other people. Does that mean that the only way for us to, you know, discard our privilege is to give up everything you have and make yourself no, equal? No, no, that's not, that's not my problem with her. My problem with her isn't that she's um, rich or that she has these things. My problem is just that she's, I don't know, she's, I think she's just over... Overglorified. Okay, if I can. She just doesn't strike me as interesting. Does Cher strike you as trying to do the right thing? Yes. Okay. If nothing else, I think that's a fantastic message that we should all go out and try and do the right thing. And she's yeah, trying no, from okay, day yeah, no, one. I give you that. Okay. So, and I think she is. I think the film has us going out, going a little bit less focused on the aesthetic and the material things, a little more on taking care of other people. And also tearing down. Actually, it's a film that in the start says this group acts like this, this group acts like this, this group acts like this. And actually, by the end of it, they all kind of blur out from where we, we thought we, we'd had them. Yeah, because even at the end where you see the lads, yeah. you, know, you see Josh from a different background, you see um, Murray from yeah. a different background, and you see Travis. And they're all together laughing and having fun. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Where ordinarily, them characters... They would have been completely separate. Separate, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, that's actually, that's actually quite a good point. And, you know, the stoner, even when he gets rid of his drugs, he's not in the skateboarding because he likes drugs. He's in the skateboarding because he likes skateboarding and yeah. he's focused on that. And that's something to be 
applauded, and he's a ni- he's the nicest character. He's the nicest character in the film, isn't he? He's my favorite character in the film. Well, maybe that's a good time to go ahead and jump on that. So, favorite characters in the film, Liam, you are saying Travis. Travis yeah, Ellie. I really like Dion. Okay. Um, although she's a bit of a smaller role, I think she's got loads of little sassy lines and really really funny things throughout it. And there's the bit that we didn't mention, I love um, outside the tennis court, um, where Amber says her plastic surgeon said that she uh, can't do any activities with where balls fly at her face and Dion goes, well, there goes your social life. Um, and she I did just, get some zingers. <laughs> just so funny. Um, and, and I also like the way she's sort of represented when she, she um, is always telling Murray not to call her woman. And that's, a, that really annoys me as well. When, when men call like people. Again, this is a time not now. So, yeah, but it's annoyed me for years. Um, um, I think it's interesting because Amy Heckerling writes the script. Yeah. And therefore, when she then also has Murray come back with the whole, even though it's mocking, it doesn't come from a place of misogyny. Exactly. Yeah. And she kind of smiles and he walks away. And that's when Brittany Murphy goes, wow, you guys all talk like like you're grown-ups. Like and they go, oh, this is a really good school. And I think there's a little bit of... It's interesting that she says, I don't want you to call me that. And he still pushes back on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If someone says, I don't like that label, and you go, no, even though I'm doing this, it doesn't mean this. Well, someone says, don't call me that. I think you're you're allowed to go, okay, fair enough. Yeah, if you don't want to call that, I don't call you that. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about the power of labels, if anything else. Yeah. But sometimes they can be terms of endearment rather than, like I say, yeah. how you say them. It's not. But if you called someone a term of endearment, they said, please don't call me that. <laughs> there is someone I used to call something. <laughs> I won't say what it is on, on air. Um, but it could be taken as a, a, just a mockery of them. Yep. But it wasn't, it was a more of a term of endearment. How did they take it? As a term of endearment. Oh, right. Okay. But if, but if they said, I hate that. But if somebody had heard me say it to her. Yes. They would think that I was being. Right. But then she could, she could be within, or assuming it's, it's a woman, I'm guessing you were saying. She could go, no, no, I'm okay with that. We, we, this is within the context of our relationship. This is me not knowing the term, but without, we're, we're, uh, this is something that we've negotiated between us as an acceptable term of endearment. Yeah. Now, this has a conversation that has to happen with Dion and with Murray. Oh, he keeps yeah. trying to say woman, and she goes, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. call me that. Yeah. And then he comes up and goes, woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dion. Georgia. Um, I like Paul Rudd's character for the first two-thirds of the film. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is and the tipping it, point? Then it gets a bit when weird. Gets creepy. <laughs> when, he, when he like falls him out to, to the party? Yeah, yeah, and then weird. he's like hitting on Ty and then Cher. It's and interesting though like, when he goes like, oh, how do you know he likes you? Oh, he's always finding reasons to touch me. I'm like, oh, that's a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit. But that felt organic up until that point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's really weird. It, until they had that conversation, it felt organic. Um, and again, we don't know exactly how old Josh is supposed to be, but it just it felt a bit, a bit, a bit off. Um, Oh, me. Right, I haven't done mine. Uh, I'm going to say Cher. I really like Cher. I really like Cher. I think the movie's designed... I mean, you have to... I mean, you got to make a decision on Cher because the movie's forcing you to be with her the whole movie. Yeah, and like I say, she's she set up as a character ordinarily you would hate, but you don't hate I think from, it's well-crafted. I, from I, any I, day. I, I do like the way it's been Day crafted. one, you like her. Yeah. I think very early on, we've been designed to like her, even with that ridiculous long debate thing about the... Haitians and all that stuff, and we see what and her innocence, work for her, her yeah. doughy innocence. 
you know, even on the driving test. Because it's interesting because they do all those things, but then they still also give us those traditional methods of uh, purity, right? She's still yeah. a virgin. Yeah. And therefore that's supposed to, unlike everybody else, you know, and that's supposed to be celebrated and all that sort of. It's it, it's very interesting in that regard. It, situations were supposed to mock her, but situations where Hecker has gone, she's still different. She's still the alpha girl. It's still okay to like her. Yeah. Within 90s sort of context. In the context. Um, so favorite part of the film, favorite scene? Hmm. I come back to me. Okay. I think for me, it's probably that bit in when they're in the cafe or restaurant, whatever it is. Um, just because there's some nice little funny bits of a little euphemisms and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think my favorite thing about the film is is all of the funny little one-liners that come. Okay. throughout it they're scattered and so there's so there's lots of bits that i really enjoy but it's not necessarily sort of one big theme liam do you have something now yeah uh my favorite scene is the grease parody scene okay <laughs> of course it is <laughs> it's not really a parody it's more of a pastiche pastiche yeah. because i'd never seen that before even though i'm a big fan of grease and i've seen clueless many times i never made that connection until today okay. so i see it in a different pair of eyes georgia I don't think it's quite similar to Ellie. I like quite a, uh, some of the dialogue. I did enjoy. Um, I enjoy the fact that there's a, you've, that there is a narrator and that she kind of follows us throughout it because I think if you don't have that and then it's so like narrow. What was the term you used? Like narrow Res- focus. Restricted viewpoint. Restricted viewpoint. Yeah, and if you don't then have that narration as well, then you're going to struggle to get anything other than what's happening in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would be very, very tell, don't show. Um, but yeah. actually, I think this film struggles a little bit from too much showing and not enough telling for a um, or something that's supposed to be satire. Satire is hard to do in that regard. It really yeah. is a delicate balance. Um, um, but yeah, no, there's some, some bits of the dialogue I did really, really enjoy. Okay. Uh, mine was, um, I'm going to kind of hedge mine with a little bit of half and half. Um, the soundtrack. I was going to say the soundtrack. Love the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, love it. Love the soundtrack. And then I'm going to go with the idea that um, I really like the idea that it was a story of a group of girls. Yeah. And in a time where we don't usually get a lot a lot of that, as a guy, I could sit here and watch that. And it's like, you know, well, I guess I'll let them have their movie. You know, nothing like that. There's nothing that says a guy I can't sit there and enjoy the story of these three girls as they try and make their way over a year of high school. And that was all right. Yeah, and it, it's 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 and it really sucks when I go. It was really refreshing that in 1995 we actually got a story of three girls, and I was not bored. <laughs> so yeah, so here's the my thing for that. I think is maybe why this film isn't hitting with me. Is that I mean I've grown up with female based films. I'm lucky enough that there has been some in yeah. my um in my youth. And there's and the film. I mean I don't know if any seen it or not. The film Wild Child is. No has a similar premise so the girl starts out as this like miami bimbo and gets sent to an english boarding school um and i already hate there's a dead there's a dead (laughs) mum and she has a makeover and kind of discovers herself and it's there's friendships throughout that and there's a romance and there's it's i think that for me has more of a pull than this one did i guess i've seen this movie done badly a bunch of times yeah badly and really cookie cutter and this one felt a little bit more nuanced um that and i just love jane austen so maybe much like Bridget jones's diary where i think i figured out it was pride and prejudice but even if i didn't i just like jane austen um little note of concern a little note of discretion a little something that grinds your gears 
similar language uh, that's not used today, but that's just forgiven because of the time and era. Mm-hmm. Um, the brother sister thing <laughs> doesn't wash with me. Yeah, uh, that was a bit cringeworthy in places. I wonder if that's why they sort of sneak it sort of into the last fifteen minutes, and they mm. go, yeah. "Let's just get out of the movie." <laughs> yeah, what can we do? Get make, make sure you get earlier. But he, she says, oh, "You're not my brother. You're not my brother." <laughs> <laughs> even though she said earlier, "You are my brother." Yeah, yeah. pretty much that. <laughs> yeah, and he even says, "Like I'm a brother figure. You don't want a brother figure hanging around." I think it's him testing the waters. Uh, How do you yeah. see me? Isn't it? Yeah. But in which case, like he was, ju- uh, it's, it's problematic because he was just hitting on Ty. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, and he had this other girl. I don't know, Josh is somehow a stud, kind older. of, sort of. I don't know. Oh, what, yeah, the, the other the she was She was university was age. Yeah. yeah. Not in characteristic, but in yeah. age range, yeah. Uh, Ellie, something to grind your gears? Um, yeah, very very much similar to that, really, about the the relationship. And, yeah, the fact that he does refer to himself as her brother, it it's, that makes it more weird because it's just before it happens. Um, and I remember the first time I watched this film, I... It is really towards the end that it, like you say, it's kind of snuck in. And I remember kind of turning the film off and being like, not turning off midway, but, you know, when it finished being like, what the hell have I just seen? Like, what is this? Um, and I think it bothers me less now because I'm expecting it to happen. So I kind yeah. of see those little looks that they share throughout the film. Yeah. So it is kind of scattered in there a little bit, but not overtly. And yeah, it's just a little bit uncomfortable. Georgia? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Um, that and um, I, I, I don't think the satire goes far enough in yeah. places. But other than that, no. I've kind of brought mine up already. I'll, I'll be brief. Um, it's the size sort of jokes made by the characters to each other or by characters about themselves. She calls, him, she calls herself a heifer or he like squeezes her stomach and mm-hmm. says, oh, you're filling out there. Um, I guess, maybe, I don't know how... <laughs> It's if you want to show brother and sister having disagreements on that really kind of level of a similar, I don't even know what you write anymore. Not that, that excuses this, but I think I'd really struggle. Mm. All right, so uh, it is ratings time. Where do you have? Where do you have Clueless in the grand pantheon of all the films, Liam? I think you're up first. I give this a strong seven and a half. Okay. Ellie. I give it an eight. Eight. Georgia. Um, I'm going to give it a bordering on average six bucket hats with roses on that are really weird out of ten. Okay. <laughs> and I'm also enjoying Liam actually on seven and a half. Yeah, I was. I I went into today thinking easy before watching, going easy eight and a half. Same. And then as I watched it, I kind of went, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe it's that idea. Maybe unlike um last week with the crow, where you said you came back to it and you still love it, and da 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 da. Maybe this is like going back and seeing a friend you used to know in high school, and you thought you were really really good mates, and you couldn't wait to see them again. Yeah. And after a few minutes, you kind of went. I remember you being a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. So I was expecting my rating to be a little bit lower, but actually really enjoyed watching it today. Yeah. So, um, but then I didn't, I didn't watch it that. I romanticized this a bit. I was in 25. Oh, yeah. clueless. Really looking forward to this one. I don't regret seeing it, No. but it did, it did tweak a little bit of where I thought I was in the stand and where I do stand in the end. Yeah. 
which uh, then just brings us to next film. Oh, we have the age game, the age game. Oh, Let's yes. all play the age game quickly, oh, though. Quickly, though. Okay. Uh, so we'll we'll start with Cher. Okay. Alicia Silverstone. I think I know the answer to this. I'm going to say 19. Georgia? 20. I think she's 17. She's 19. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Paul Rudd. 23. Georgia? I, uh, like, he could be like 608, and I, we wouldn't be able to. <laughs> he's still Paul Rudd will look like that when he's 608. Yeah. Uh, is there a guess in there? Uh, 24. I'm also going to say 24. 26. Oh, okay. He was older. Yeah. Brittany Murphy? Brittany Murphy. Uh, Ty. 20. Mm, 21. Uh, I'm going to say 19. 18. Ooh. She's really quite young. This was her first film, though, that she... Yeah. yeah. Um, Stacey Dash, so Dion. Oh, older. 21. Georgia? 20. 26. 28. Whoa, I knew she was Whoa. older, but I didn't know she was that much older. Which is weird, because it made such a big deal about the age gap between Paul Rudd. Yeah. And, and actually, Stacey's like, uh, Dion's like two years yeah. older. Yeah, That's crazy. And then I just finally I did Wallace Shawn as well. Oh, Wallace Shawn! Just in case God, you I love Wallace Princess Fifty-two. There's a bunch of Wallace Shawn films we could do. Um, I can't remember what he said he was in Princess Bride. I yeah, I know. I'm trying 10. to hold through. Uh, <laughs> the ideas that you don't remember. Fifty-two. I said that. I'm going to say sixty. Oh, sorry. You're right. We, well, we, we it's share. fine. You were both right. He's fifty-two. Wow. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I was like, he must I'm be sure like way young in Princess time. Bride. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's remarkable, inconceivable, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> and that just leaves us for next film ever. And unfortunately, Georgia will not be joining us next oh. film ever because she's about to go on hiatus. Yeah, being being banned for yeah. letting Ethan choose a bad film. So, um, next so film apparently ever that's my fault. <laughs> is a. <laughs> Next film ever is a crossover episode with Talking the Mickey. We're all going to get together and we're going to talk about a, a Disney film cool. because it's on the poster. It's considered one of the greatest films of all time. And uh, it just had a uh, fourth installment come out not that long ago. We're going to be Toy looking Story? at Toy Story. Now, I'm very sixes and sevens about, about Toy Story. Well, you've got to remember the first Toy Story came out. We were in our teens. Yes, I know. You know what I mean? We're in our early teens. We're back to 1990. We're not leaving 1995. 95, yeah. Like, that's three straight weeks. That's crazy. Well, 94 for the crew and then 95, 95. So we're staying yeah. in that three-year window, which I think is the greatest three-year window of film in history. But mm-hmm. Toy Story, I don't like Tim Allen. He was so big at the time. Though, I know. I, I hated him at the time. Yeah. I have a big <laughs> thing for Tim oh, Allen because he it. plays Santa Claus in the Santa Claus you like him, that I don't... really like. Oh, I hate those. Yeah. I hate, so... hate, hate. When Ricky Gervais made fun of Tim Allen at the Golden Globes, <laughs> I was going, finally, I have been waiting 20 years for someone to take because, this guy down. Because he's not as big as he was back then, but because of the franchise, yeah. he still kept going. He made, he made lots, his films made money. Without yeah. question, they made money. They were not good. No. So, see, those those Santa Claus films I grew up with, that is my Muppets Christmas Carol. Like, trash. those Santa Claus films. I've never seen any I of love them. Muppets Christmas Carol as well, because I've recently... I'll do you one better as a quick that, aside. But... Tim Allen's not the worst part about the, about, about the Santa Claus. It's his kid. I just really... His kid's the worst oh, part about yeah, that Yeah, he's a... You, you just don't like precocious kids, though, I don't. Do you? Like, I don't. You really I don't. That. I admit that. What do you think to Wild Hogs? <laughs> 
yeah, <laughs> Travolta and him. I rushed out to see that. <laughs> Somehow will not be appearing. I think on best film ever. No. Um, so that's really it. So please join us next time when we come at you regular time as always. Say same day. We'll be dropping on the Tuesday to talk about Toy Story. What an adventure that will be. So for best film ever, I have been Ian and I'm Liam. I'm Ellie. And I have been Georgia. I'll be back at some point. <laughs> and we hope when it comes to best film ever, we will see you again soon. And we don't mean sporadically. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Goodbye. I'm so fancy. You are